It's got to be my favorite song ever, dude. <laughs> and my favorite part is where they get up and you got to clean your couch when they leave. Right. <laughs> That's an empire. That boy's good. Yeah, that boy good right there. He good. He good. Got his own money. I thought it was a trash can. <laughs> so what's up, fellas? What's up, bro? Money. What's up, Shaza Manelli? Shout out to Sean Newhouse, Tomball VFW, Senior Vice Commander. Shout out, Ooh. sir. That shit sound important as fuck. Right? Yeah, he is. He makes decisions and shit. Boss. So he's an adult. Got it. Yeah. He is. Got it. Makes sense. Oh, man. Well, so I had a question for you guys. Well, actually, I got a question for Ty because that's how it works. What are you going to do when we have too many guests to put in an opening? Man, I, I, I'm going to do that. I'm going to change it up to where it does that. Yeah, so it looks like we're doing a flip book and it just everybody flips through it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll have to get like 50 guests by that point. But yeah, it's, at some point I'm going to mix it up and DJ Royalty is going to help me out. So yeah, it'll be cool. Oh, man. I'm trying to make it through, fellas. Yeah, so Scott's not feeling too well today. Bro, yeah. I'm, I mean, you both, bro. It's just like, it, and it's just, it was like in the last two hours, I was like, I kind of I just, and I mine just is I'm probably beat down because I've started the challenge, but nobody else is doing with you, motherfuckers. What are you but, talking about? How do you know? Because yeah. I ask if you would have been on the if you'd have been on earlier, we would have talked. I was I was on before you were. Or did you actually do something today? Yeah, of course. Besides masturbate, that doesn't I mean that's a workout. I mean that counts. Burn calories, dude. I don't you know. You damn sure do, no. bro. I try to tell my wife there's a lot of ways we can burn calories together, and she's not having that shit, bro. What's up, Willis? <laughs> What's going on, brother Willis? My man, yeah. David. Did you guys see uh, Julie's on there too? You see more, Julie? Yeah, but I say more importantly, hi, hi, David. She, she sent us a, uh, Hey, Julie. Right, right. <laughs> she sent she sent us a photo in Facebook Messenger before he came on that they're watching it like surround sound theater style. Right. That you know. Yeah, that's cool. That's the only way I, to watch us. Can't say enough about my girl Julie, man. That's day one, man. You know what I mean? Every time. I think they I think her and Dave are the first ones in. I think today somebody got them, but normally that's what it is. You know what I mean? Just, well, I mean, they were technically first in. I mean, we got a uh I got a picture of the you know, when you're when you're about to go on YouTube, it'll just show and you're like, Okay, we're just waiting. Like it's <laughs> it was right on the TV on YouTube, just waiting to start. So shout out. So I got a quick announcement to make. Uh as y'all know, I got a gang of kids, so you know, Kenzie's 27 all the way down to Tatum is 11. But I have a daughter. One daughter got her class ring today. So I, I got her classroom. It came in. She graduated three years ago. She's a teacher. She graduated from Sam Houston. But then I have another daughter that is uh, going to graduate about a year and a half early uh, named Cadence that's uh, graduating from Texas State in May of 2024. So congratulations uh, to you, number five. <laughs> No, I, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna be a hater and be like, "That's some fuck shit, bro." How did all your kids turn out good? I, I was always told one of your kids is gonna be a fuck card, and I've got two of those. Like, <laughs> I got one. I'm like, he's like, "Dad, I'm gonna join the Navy." They, you could join without a GED. I'm like, "Fuck, I got one." I mean, bro. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't uh, for me not trying to mess them up, but they're they're all they all help me through now. So they they all yeah. give me corners <laughs> in life. So. Leadership, man. You know what yeah. I mean? It's the leadership. It's the guy. The trainers. Right. We're gonna I have, you know, we're gonna I was an absent father. That must be what it is. Yeah. There's gonna be two graduates in May. 
Who else is graduating? How many kids you got, Todd? My daughter's graduating. Six. She's all over like for 27 the, years. She is she a damn the doctor? For the, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. I mean, we don't count Sierra because it's like fourth, the fourth graduation. Like, okay, now you're just showing the fuck off. Good job. <laughs> you're smart. Don't Whatever. Worry. She's going to help all of us with those brain games when we get older. Promise. I so, to, Julie, I just to... Just to let you know, Julie, uh, Kenzie, the 27-year-old, I call her a little rat. Uh, Tylee, the 25-year-old that made me a grandfather. Um, she she is a funny girl. And let's see, Kaysen is the boy. Uh, Trinity is Scarface because she's got a scar on her face uh, right here. And then uh, Tatum is uh, Tater Taterbug. So and Cadence is number five because she's the fifth. fifth you're just daughter. such a you're such a good fucking dad. My kids are shithead, fucked hard, accident, well, and the and my daughter, the one I love. You know. Uh, well, that's all the good stuff about me I can say in about three minutes. So I mean, it's, it's not that great. That's horrible. <laughs> oh, that's God. horrible. So what's I'm excited what's tonight. I tell you, I'm excited. We got a. Uh, a gentleman coming on that deployed with me in Iraq in 0709. Uh, he was uh, actually alma mater for the school I went to. He went to Eastern Kentucky University as well. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited for that. But uh, And I heard he's going to come on when he comes on. He's going to actually bite the head off a snake or a bat or a chicken for us. Like, I know that I just heard that he was going to do some crazy shit like fucking defile an animal, give it a handy. Hey. I don't know what he's going to do, but. There, he probably did stuff like that back in his 20s, but I don't think he does that anymore. Yeah, now you got to be really health conscious. Those animals got diseases. Oh, <laughs> they have the, the COVID, the new one that's going to magically appear in a couple of weeks for the fuck right before the fucking election. Yeah, why not? That's Sons how it works. Bitches. That's it. That's the they one. can all be mail in ballots. Man. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, look, man, you guys see, uh, we, I went and saw our guy this weekend. Bubba, yeah. Live, live and in concert. We put some stuff on the Facebook page. That dude can sing, man. Hey, next time you go live, how about you shout out the fucking the podcast people too, you son of a bitch. Uh, well, I was there to watch Bubba Wesley, you know? <sighs> no, I, I hit him, I hit him honest, up. Let's be honest. Matt did not do a live. Becky definitely did the lives. That wasn't so, me. So did you, see, <laughs> did you see, if y'all haven't, go on his Facebook. He just put out the video yeah. to his, like, the greatest song ever, right? That's Scott's favorite song on the planet. My, that's mine too, bro. While I'm yeah. sitting on your face, bro. Come on. Yeah. I mean, he's got a video for it. Yeah. I was like, is it, it's not an OnlyFans. I was kind of getting excited, but it's not. It's just a, it's just a video. <laughs> Don't underestimate the uh, power of Maroon there, Julie. What'd you say? That's where Grace wants to go. The top of her list is uh, Law Enforcement, Eastern Kentucky University. Gotcha. So hey. that's what I wanted to do. Uh, yep, absolutely. Nice. Well, hey, uh, let's uh, let's go ahead and bring uh, yeah. Lieutenant Colonel. No. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. So L Lieutenant Colonel retired Phil Lenz. He, uh, of course, went to Eastern Kentucky. He was in the 716th MP Battalion. Uh, he deployed uh, multiple times. Uh, did all the leadership roles from from uh, platoon leader all the way to you know. Whatever a lieutenant colonel does, I think his last post was Nothing. in the uh, provost marshal office. Hey, not a fucking. Thing, I, don't, I don't know where he is, battalion commander, because we'll, we'll have to figure that out. But uh, lieutenant colonel, yeah. so we gotta bring drink, money. Drink I don't know what e lieutenant e colonel does. 
I know what they do. Same thing as our, our commanders do. Absolutely fucking nothing. Talk a bunch, <laughs> talk a bunch of shit. Eat cake. He's gonna kill. He's gonna kill me. That's what Shizaminelli said he does. He sits in the front and he looks pretty. That's all he's got to do. He's gonna kill me. I can see him laughing at least. At least he's smiling. (laughs) He hasn't. He he hasn't gone out yet. So right, right. Without further ado, let's bring on uh, Phil Lins. Yeah. I hear you guys all talking smack, man. I hear you. I'm sorry, sir. You know, sorry, sir. He said, "I'm sorry, sir." We're all retired now. (laughs) Man, I tell you. What's up, fellas? Yeah. Good. Good. We are retired, Matthew, but my oath didn't end when I punched out, motherfucker. Maybe yours it didn't. Did. It didn't. Check your shit, shitmate. Check what shit. <laughs> what are you talking about? Hey, you two get it wrong. I know, right? Goodness right. gracious. That's the David way. That's how we work. For That's two days. And the now pre-workout. That Conor, McGreg- Conor McGregor right. before a UFC fight. Like, right. what are we doing? And pre-workout shit. He's taking him down on our own peel to shake. Oh, ready man. So, uh, Phil, tell us, how's it going, man? How are you doing? It's going really well. I'm up here. I've uh, I've got the Amish at bay up here in western Pennsylvania. I don't expect any issues or challenges out of them. But, uh, uh, yeah, I've been retired for about uh, 20, 22, 21 months, give or take. And uh, uh, I don't miss a damn thing about the Army. So, oh, where you, you at, sir? Where you at in the western, in the western side? Where you at? It's up near Newcastle, Pennsylvania, about an hour uh, north of Pittsburgh, I, right I did close some, to the Ohio border. Yeah, I did some hunting in that Cognac area uh, when I was in Cleveland. So I've, I've been. The, I don't know how close you are to Cognac. Cognac yeah, I did some right hunting the other night when my, my vehicle with deer. I had a swerve and didn't yes. hit them, but I damaged the vehicle. So Fucking always plenty of opportunities nice. for deer up here. So. Oh my goodness! Yeah, <laughs> my man. So where are you originally from, Phil? I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, born, bred, and raised. So, one to come and if I remember home. correctly, you're a Steelers fan, yeah? Is there any other? Where's, no, my, okay. chair? Where's my towel? Where's my chair? <laughs> <Just making sure. laughs> <Fucking around here. laughs> yeah, I see DJ Royalty writing that down. He's like, hey, I'm going to get this guy. Get this guy. Like, oh, yeah, I'm good. telling you. He's going to take notes for the duration, and then uh, he's going to get you on the hot seat. That's for sure. So, so, so Blake, just so you know, Phil here, when we were talking earlier, was like, man, I don't even know what's going to happen when that comes down. He's really worried. You <clears throat> worry. <laughs> Just questions. You know what I feel like? I, I watched a lot of these episodes live, and after the fact, DJ Royalty, I, I feel like I feel like an ice hockey goalie <laughs> with no defense. So you never know. What <laughs> you don't know which way it's going to come. You don't know which way the puck is going to shoot. Uh, you just got to guess, but yeah. But yeah, thanks for having me, guys. This is awesome. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for what you're doing for our veterans. I think that's an it's an incredibly important piece. You guys are advocates, you're the mouth. Uh, you are you've done so many great things of bringing people on, showing expertise, showing skill sets, promoting. I think the biggest piece you 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 create the fact that you know, I'm gonna steal this one from my wife, but you create this mentality that's okay to not be okay. Yeah, I sir. love that about you guys, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So tell uh, tell everybody that's here listening today. We want to get to know you a little bit. Talk this through. You grew up yeah. in, in in Pennsylvania, yeah. So we know you like it absolutely freaking cold. Um, I do. But what I, else? I, like walk us through growing up, up leading yeah. up into going to the army. So yeah, I uh, graduated in 1989, and uh, a lot of my friends were going to college. I was pretty good at football, you know, Division three level. You know, not nothing too crazy. But uh, I decided yeah, I'm going to be the first person in my family to go to college. I applied to a couple colleges and you know a lot of recruiting pieces, and I get that little piece of paper in the mail that says, "Yeah, you're 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 not going to make it." 
I graduated a 1.68 GPA, uh, cumulative SAT score of 720. And I basically said to myself, yeah, I got to figure something out. So what I did, I basically, you know, I, that, that point in time, I said, you know what? This point in time, my life college was not for me. I went, I went out and uh, joined the Army as a young soldier, did three years as an intelligence soldier, 82nd Airborne Division, learned for some incredible non-commissioned officers, did a lot of great things, got out and said, you know what? This is my shot. Screw up. So I went to start off in a community <laughs> college, you know, nothing wrong with that. And I, as, as Ty mentioned, I went to the Eastern Kentucky University. Uh, Julie definitely recommended we can talk offline on that one. Uh, great school if you're looking at the fire sciences, uh, police programs, risk management, you name it. It's an incredible program. <clears throat> Came out, did the ROTC piece, did exceptionally well in college, became a military police lieutenant. And as Ty said, I, you know, have held a reposition from from a second lieutenant platoon leader all the way up to battalion commander where uh, I ran the United States disciplinary barracks. So I had to deal with all the, uh, you, know, you know, felony inmates of all the services. So pretty, pretty incredible opportunity, a great opportunity to lead soldiers. And I finished up, uh, I guess it would be May of 2022 as a director of public safety at the former, the artist formerly known as Fort Rucker, Alabama, not Fort Novacell. Like I said, total of 33 years. I loved every bit of it. I loved being a soldier. Uh, you know, love love being in the military. And it's funny watching you guys. I think it's <clears throat> you you realize that it's about that brotherhood. And I think yeah. all four of you have the market cornered on that. Uh, you're doing exceptionally well. And uh, like you know, that to me, that's what it's about. Um, I think the last piece with it, uh, you know, I met my wife in kindergarten. <clears throat> we went to kindergarten together. Believe it or not, you know, she, she I'm not, I'm not sure if she's listening right now, but I got caught looking up her skirt. Uh -huh. Yeah, shout out to all the pervs. I mean, you know, yes, she's uh, my best friend, incredible, incredible human being, probably one of the strongest people I know in my whole life. And I've yeah. got four wonderful children, and, uh, you know, 27, 20, uh, 17, 14. And, uh, you know, I'm just up here now living the, uh, the retired life as a director of public safety, a small uh, liberal arts college in Western Pennsylvania. The thing I like about that, very similar with the experiences I had in the military. I get a chance to impact positively students, students, yeah. soldiers. I mean, it really comes back down to that people dimension. I love what I do. And, uh, you know, that's what I'm doing right now. I slap the base in some of my spare time. So I love I love I always loved how approachable you were. I loved how open you were. I loved how real you were. And I, the the thing the thing that I guess brought us together was music. But, you know, I was the S6 in CYC, so you were still, you know, when you were the XO or the S3, you know, you were still, or you were the S3 at the time when you first got there, right? Yeah, I think so. So the, the way that you were able to engage with senior NCOs, the young officers, you know, your peer officers, field grades officers as well, that to me was, it was so different than every other lieutenant colonel or field grade officer that you met, especially if with MPs, because sometimes we were a little bit um, uh, full of ourselves. So I really appreciate the way you were very approachable because uh, to me, working with the, the staff officers was always the, the best way that I knew that the job was going to get done. So thank you for that. Well, thank you, Ty. I mean, that, that here, just hearing you say that, it uh, kind of melts my heart. I get a little teary out. I'm still an emotional guy, but I mean, like I said, I learned from a young age. I learned from NCOs as, as a soldier, I learned from NCOs as a lieutenant and all the way through my career. You just got to keep it real. And, you, know, you don't need to be a jerk about things. You don't need to play the party line all the time. And we'll talk about that later. It's just about <laughs> people with respect, man. It, we're all people, man. 
if you can relate to people and be yourself, that's what it's all about. So, yep. yeah, very true. Yeah, I can just tell by like the way you know, there's certain people that when they come in a room and, and, and they're amongst other men, like you can, you just, you just yeah. spill out leadership, man, and you spill out mint. Like when you see you, like if I were in the army, it's people like you that I'm drawn to because you can just, they, you have a spirit about yourself that's like, hey, man, I'm going to shoot you real. You might not like it. It is what it is, but at least I'm going to tell it to you straight and then we're going to go on from there so I, I can pick that up from you right away man that's a, that's a cool thing dj royalty you were so on point and i think that, like i said that that's one thing i'll talk about today in my pieces as we go on that works it works it really does work but if there's a certain point in time that every one of us you have that that cut that tear line where it doesn't it no longer works but yeah. hey ty if i could so we were talking you were talking before when i was backstage i love the backstage Probably one of the coolest things. So again, I was in, in uh, Afghanistan or Afghanistan for six months, and I got the call. I felt like a relief pitcher. I knew what was going to happen. I got the call to go from one theater, one one tough position, to Iraq, where you guys had already been there for probably I think it was nine months of a fifteen month deployment. You talk about a kick in the ass. By by far, probably one of the hardest things I ever had to do. <clears throat> but you know, we I figured it out, and you know, it comes back down to just being yourself and listening to your NCOs. You know, there's the big theme. I loved it. I was probably there for about what ten days, Ty. You got. We were talking about music and Metallica and stuff. And Ty down in his uh, his choose containerized housing unit for the uninitiated out there. He calls me down and says, "Yeah, we kind of got this band thing going on." I said, "Well, I play a little bass." And then we went down there and uh, and uh, it was pretty cool. So we walk in and they're like, "He's an officer. He can't play anything. He's a dork, probably." <laughs> <laughs> you were thinking that, am I right, Ty? Oh yeah, you, definitely. <laughs> we go down there. And I look in. He's got this. Ty has got this electronic drum set. Jerry's got a guitar with a small little amplifier. I look over. There's a bass guitar and an amplifier. I tuned up, and they said, "What do you know?" I said, "Do you know any Metallica?" And Ty goes, "Yeah." Do you know uh, for whom the bell tolls? I said, "Kick it." One, two, da 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 da. I started playing the part, and they're looking over at each other like, "What the hell did we just find?" We just finished out the existence of staff infection. Wayne, yep. the writer, comes in. So it was you know, that was a great time. Am I right, Ty? Absolutely. Before that, it was called uh, Goof Nut when it was just the Goof three nut. of us, yeah. right? And then uh, when, once we actually became a band, since all of, all of us were you know three staff NCOs, and of course he was came in to be the S three. Uh, you came in to be the S three writer, was it the yeah. XO? XO right. came back. Yeah, Ty. Right. So he came back to be the S3. So I was like, you know, <clears throat> staff infection, you know, because at the time, I think NFL locker rooms were having the staff, S-T-A-P-H. And then so we were on staff. So we called our S <laughs> ourselves staff infection, S-T-A-F-F. Anyway. <laughs> so yeah, that was great. I can honestly say, Ty, and all the music I've been playing music for a while now, probably 20 years live, that by to this day remains probably the one of the special things I've ever done. And I think it was special because we were there. We were yeah. there. We found we found that that that, that escape. And the fact guess what? Right there in Ring's place. Yes. And Ring's think, place. Yeah. Anytime we put on what we probably played three shows, it was packed. You had a you had a you know you had a container. The whole battalion would come watch us. And then and I keep telling people and I think I don't think I'm imagining this, but did we didn't we play or play before or maybe open for the fourth ID rock band? You remember when they played at our? Okay, do you remember when they played with us? Played for us at Ring's place? Oh, okay. Maybe maybe that was before you, but yeah, they they were were pretty awesome. We didn't have another one. That's that's the weird thing. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, thank you for that. So, 
Yeah, absolutely. It, it was my pleasure. That was that was some of the coolest thing ever when when you got there and we put a band together there and we were able to bring people together. I mean, it it was just a little respite. Remember, we had karaoke, we had a Metallica listening party. You know when uh when that when Death Magnetic came out. So, yeah. They should have yeah, streamed I mean, you guys across the airways and, and made it like a psyops thing for those fucking Hajis. That'd have been even better. Yeah. Like just freak those motherfuckers out. Like, what, what's going on? That'd have been awesome, dude. <laughs> psyops, fucking staff infection. Man, that'd have been great. Drop some pamphlets, fly over, drop a little pamphlet <laughs> on the asses. We're gonna yeah. do that in the reu- we're gonna do that in the reunion tour. The reunion tour? Hell yeah. yeah. Y'all be <laughs> dropping in bitches over Russia next is what'll happen though, but that's good too. So so for you, Phil, was uh was music something that you always did when you were a kid? Did you pick it up later in life? How did you get into doing music? Because it's yeah. apparent that on top of, you know, love for the army, serving, you know, mentoring people like music. I mean, you just look behind you. Music is, yeah. is what you is what you love. Like, how did that come about for you? How did you get into it? Well, Matt, that, that's a great question. I think for me, it started way back. My dad, he was a DJ. He would you know, do stuff like that. But I think for me, it was probably 1977 or 78. I found out the band Kiss. As you can tell, I'm a huge fan. It was funny, Matt. You were talking about. It. I wonder if Phil's gonna come out with his face painted. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have enough time to do it. My wife said no, but no, she usually does my face paint. But no, I fell in love with the concept of Kiss. <clears throat> it was big. It was loud. It was over the top. And I started playing guitar. Uh, I wanted to be Ace Freely from Kiss. I did it for about three years, and I just I wasn't getting any better. I didn't. All my parents had to do was give me a distortion pedal. I probably would have been playing. I wouldn't probably wouldn't have been in the army. It wasn't until my uh, senior year I actually started of college. I started playing the bass. I picked up a cheap bass guitar, started playing that, and uh, the rest is history. But I think the biggest piece I was—I've always been a fan of music. Everything from Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin. But as mentioned, my dad was a DJ. And I remember he would go to the, these VFWs. He would play these dances. <clears throat> I remember songs like bands by the Gap Band, Michael oh, yeah. Jackson, and I would sit there. I would actually sit by the bass, the subwoofer. I mm-hmm. loved it. I'm just, I, and to this day, I'm drawn to the bass. I'm drawn to this music that has a strong bass line. So I think it's always been in me, and that's something I'm truly passionate about. I, I truly, I'm one of those people who listen to pretty much everything, every style of music out there, and you name it, I listen to it. And if it's not good, I just won't listen to it. You know, but yep. yeah, I, I love. So music. The, the funny thing is, is, like, I would, I would be messing around, and you know, I like hip hop a lot, so I would be doing some kind of crazy hip hop something. And then, and then I would go back when, when, uh, when uh, at the time Major Lens got there, and I'd start playing some rock. And he's like, "No, no, 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 go back, play that funky stuff. Let's let's do some funky stuff." And we would just, <laughs> he, he can play anything. It, it's it's crazy. So nice. So uh, we were at the uh, like we had, I had said in the opening, we went to see uh, one of our guests on the podcast, Bubba Wesley. He's a an entertainer and a singer. He's in a band. So we went to see him. My wife and I are sitting there and and watching the show. And I was like, that's probably the one thing that I wish I could do that I've right. never done is do music in some form, whether it's an instrument, sing, whatever. It is very humbling to watch someone play music and then watch a whole bunch of people react to that oh, yeah. uh, in different ways because it hits people in different ways. And then when you watch like videos of like these big bands and things like that where they get on like the one that comes to mind all the time for me is like the the one where queen went in live aid and he was singing back and forth with him with the day and like that entire crowd was singing back i'm like that is control right there and i just was like i wonder what that feeling's like to know that you're the one touching those people and making them have a great time and making that memory that would have been a cool thing to do you're you're right i appreciate you guys do that you know that's 
and I, and I know DJ Royalty knows that as well. I mean, yeah. when you're out there, there's nothing more empowering. You, for one, it, it's it, it's kind of bad as it's self-serving, but I think you're right. When you're out there impacting people in a positive light, people are having a good time, man. That, that's really what it's all about. Yeah. I'll well, tell you music that. brings laughter and it brings joy yeah, and it, it brings does. all those things. Yeah it's, yeah, it's crazy. I'll tell you what, Matt, it's never too late. I mean, yeah, it's never too late, man. Never too late. It's too late it's for his ass. He ain't, yeah. It's too late. We get him to play the cowbell. <laughs> I, I tried to the no, shit out of that cowbell. Bro, to be I, tried, I always need more cowbell. When I was inpatient, for, when I went inpatient for the for PTSD, there was a guy who was an Air Force guy, which he was. He tried to teach me, but I I think I got like fucked hard hands. I couldn't. I just couldn't do it. I tried and tried and tried. I was just like, ah, I gave up. 45 days and I just I couldn't pick it up at all. So maybe I'll have to try like the gazoo. I, I can't take another thing on actually. I that, there's there's no room. Because yeah. if you were to get into music, yeah, I would imagine sure. I would imagine the moment you got into music, like you said, 78, you heard Kiss, you did it. And I've heard Ty talk about music, and I know Scott mm-hmm. with what he does. Like when you start messing with your music, nothing else exists. Like you could sit right. there for hours and just do that. Yeah. That's, I, that's not even worth that it. would be a problem. <laughs> one of the, one of the fondest memories I had, man, with music, I had I used to work for at the airport. And I used to drive a shuttle bus, so I used to get on the bus and I used to write raps on the bus. So after work, we used to go to this little sports bar, and they used to have like live karaoke type of stuff. So I wrote this song, and I've been working on it all day. So my friend Ty was like, "Hey, Scotty, go ahead up there, man, and do your song." So I was like, "Man, I don't know." I'm going to try it out. You know what I mean? I don't know. So I get up there, man. I get a guy the CD with the instrumental on it, and he plays I grab the microphone. And, man, I start rapping. And, I mean, I w- everything came out perfect. Like, it was, like, the, the perfect set. I was, like, in it. Like, I was high and low, and I was animated and everything. And when I when it was over, everybody was just, like, irate. Like, yeah. Like they, and it was the, it's a moment. It's a feeling that you can't. You can't put into words like it was like a proud moment. I did it moment. And I remember getting in my car, driving home and I was like, man, that feeling is something I've never felt before. But I have to get that feeling again. Like I, I that's exactly where I'm supposed to be. That feeling that I felt it was exactly what I was looking for as far as fulfillment. And I always yearn for that again. But I just kind of joined the military, man, in my rapping career, kind of just went out the window. But I'll never forget that feeling, man, where you know that you rocked it. Yeah. People received it and, and you yeah. just feel you just feel this thing like I did that. You know what I mean? I, I it's hard to explain I've it. But I'm sure never had you- never had that feeling in my life, bro. Where I, where I just where I crush anything around like I'm a little jealous listening to you guys. So I'm like, man, I ain't never fucking I ain't never wowed anybody. I mean, I've done the helicopter on deployment. We were in Korea. I took my pants off and helicoptered some Marines. They didn't find it funny. I felt like I killed it. They didn't, they didn't think, you know, when you're in a shower with a bunch of Marines in open bay and you're like, the Navy guy, like, hey, they don't find it. They, they didn't cheer me on or give me. I was high and low. They didn't do none of that shit for me, Scott. I was whipping it out. I, I, I really find these guys, man. I don't know. Hey. That's, that's Matt. Matt that's Matt's the talent generator. We we do now, we do take on special projects every once in a while. So for I, some I, people, you know, you got to make sure that they've got that yeah. opportunity. Right? I will say that the highlight of my career, Scott, was <clears throat> after that all happened. I did it a couple times, and then finally, like the base XO came out, the Marine XO, and had like a fucking formation, and pretty much was like whoever is soaping up and touching Marines in the shower and hugging people and doing all this sick shit. It needs to stop now. And everybody knew like they didn't say my name, but everybody knew 
it was the like in the shower, like, can I wash your back? And they're like, what the fuck's wrong with you, bro? I'm like, just trying to, you missed a spot. You're like, you're boys, government control. Yeah, they were not. Wow. Oh, and on that note. Yeah. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> so, Phil, like, talk to us a little bit. So, I see I see the name that you have in the bar there, the Disruptor. Mm-hmm. I'm interested. Why yep. did you pick that to put we're in the We're blaming on Ty. Um, okay. He, he's, he's my hype man. That's a good start. I mean, that's that's funny because he he really doesn't see himself as a disruptor. He sees himself as like someone that talks straight. But to me, I think the current system needs to be disrupted. So that's why I call him the disruptor. Like the stuff he's saying, the words that are coming out of his mouth are literally what (laughs) the military needs to hear these days. So yeah, yeah. right. No, yeah, the term is disruptor. Like I said. a tie kind of put it up there. I said, you know what? I don't, I don't want to be that guy. So I think it has a negative connotation. And I say that based on some of the different topics you've had. I, I, to me, the most powerful one, the, the most powerful session, I'm not sure if he's on, was First Sergeant Quinn really um, exposing himself. And that was that was probably the most yeah. powerful thing. And he was my first sergeant too. And uh, right. that was. And I think it's it's important to be true to yourself and be true to you know for us as military folks. Be true to those that we lead. So I think collectively, yep. yes, from a disruptor perspective, I, I want to give my story. I think that's the key piece. It's not everybody's story. It may not even be accurate. It's my story. I think that for at least more so from an officer perspective, I think we got it completely wrong. I, I think we've got it wrong. I think that the non-commissioned officers who do the freaking 300 pounds on the bench every single day, them and their soldiers, I mean, the Army, Navy, uh, you know, Marines, Air Force, they're the ones that suffer because of the politics of the officers. So to me, I think it's important that we call that out for what it is, because I think we could be a lot better. So, yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of people feel like when you hear that term disruptor, so I thought of it the way that you have it there. For me, if if you call someone a disruptor nowadays, it's because they're telling people the truth they don't want to hear, which you just said 100%. So why don't, what, what do you mean by, uh, Ty was saying that the things you're saying that army needs to hear. Do you want to go into some of that and tell us yeah. what, you, what you've so, seen lately or. No, I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Gentlemen, again, with all of your impeccable backgrounds, every single one of you, your style of leadership is completely different from each other. Am I right? Oh, yeah, you're right. Your style of leadership, how you deal with your different subordinates is different, right? Yeah. Yes. That is the art and the science. And I think what happened was when we look at leadership philosophies, I had mine, and, I, and I, I always talk to my wife about this. I blame a lot of who I've become based on the band Kiss, the big fire, going bigger, going home. And guess what? That can work at certain points in time, but there's also points in time where it no longer works. So I think for me, I actually, I actually took notes for this one. <clears throat> I think, you know, some of my thoughts on leadership, and this is, what, this is what I want as a leader. I think it's important as a leader to really give that intent, um, that vision, um, expectations. What is it that you want? And, right. and again, every one of us, all of our service branches, we all have the concept of mission command. You know, we'll come back to that. I think it's important to have communication, 360 degree communication. And in your communication, you've got to be transparent. And a lot of times, I don't think we see that. I think we see dishonesty. I think we see, uh, you know, a lot of uh, cutthroating. And I don't think people really want to hear feedback. Um, when the it's funny when I was a battalion commander, I made it very clear to my team when I came aboard. I said, you know, I want you to tell us how good we're not, how good we are, because I I know how good we are. It's important to reach down to your subordinates and say, hey, how are we doing? 
how do we course correct on this? How do we become a better organization? I think it was a cultural change for a lot of people. They didn't completely understand that. I think as a leader, you have to be genuinely concerned. You know, yeah. that's funny. Now that I'm retired, I, I try to compare and explain what the Army was. And as we all know, gentlemen, it was not just about completing the mission, taking care of your subordinates, but you have that also that aspect of the families that come with that. That gets pretty damn hard. Um, I think as a leader, you need to make decisions. You, you cannot be non, you, you can't be indecisive and you can't be risk adverse, but you got to be smart. Um, you've got to develop your people, you know, no matter what it is, it's good, bad, or different. You've got to protect your people. And I think all those pieces, you put that together and it creates a certain leadership identity. I had some leaders like that in the military, but I've also had a lot more leaders that were not like that. They were counter to that narrative across the board because guess what? It did not help them get promoted. It did not help them in those command positions. And they basically sold out. You know, DJ Roy, I mean, you're a musician. I think, again, all of us, I'm not picking on him or using him, but we all know what it means to be, do something as an artist or whatever to sell out. I think the worst that I, again, I think uh, Command Star Major Rich Woodring, he is by far the greatest leader I've ever worked with. He even talked about some of the struggles he had a couple months ago, you know, during his, his career where the level he was at, he was involved in politics. I mean, I got the politics aspect, but I think there's a certain point in time that you sell your unit down the river. And I, didn't, I don't like that. So yeah. I'll tell you what, sir, I, I, you know, what you're saying. So you're, what you're saying really, for me, it, 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 it tugs, it touches a nerve for me personally. Right. And I won't get it. I won't go you know, for, for lack of time. Right. But I will tell you that if you, if I worked for you, I would probably still be in the Navy right now because I had, you know, what you're saying is exactly kind of what it was, right? I wasn't, in, uh, as a senior, as an E8, I wasn't in a position, uh, I was, right? And, I, and as a leader, you know, we all feel like, I felt like as a leader, I took care of my people. I did what I was supposed to do. I fought, I fought for my guys. I fought, I, you know, I, I t- whatever it took, right? I took care of my guys, their families. So I feel like I was, I was, I was figuring it out. And then towards the end of my career, I had a full bird essentially pretty much sit me down and tell me that my style of leadership and the leader that I've been for so many years, 20 something years in the Navy was no longer acceptable and was no longer where the Navy was headed. They were headed more into a civilian style of leadership. And I'll tell you what, it, I, I didn't, you know, looking back, I, I have no regrets, right? I didn't back down. I, 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 I spoke respectfully and I told her exactly what I thought and exactly how shit was and how shit was going to be. And they pretty much were like, well, then, we don't. We no longer need leaders like you in the Navy anymore. And I fucking was like, cool. Then, then I'm, if you want me to change, I'm definitely not the guy for the job because I've done this for my whole life and I've been mm-hmm. successful. I led troops in combat. I've led yeah. recruiting commands and and pretty much like you just said, it was. You know, I had that disruptor mentality where I'm going to disrupt the, the 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 status quo or disrupt the norm for my team and for my people and, and to say what's right and speak when people don't want to speak. And it fucking, it fucking bit me in the ass, essentially. I mean, it worked out, but I mean, I sh- technically I, would be, I should be in the Navy right now until July of 2020 of this year. Sure. Um, and I ended up saying, well, fuck it. Then let me retire. And I, you know, I punched out, pr- I punched out without a retirement. I punched out without, you know, Matt knows going away. I didn't get anything from the fucking chiefs mess. It was like, I just disappeared into, into, into nothingness for yeah. with the military but so what you're saying is it really it tugs on a, a heartstring for me and it really touches a nerve because we don't have we do have some great leaders like the woodrings of the world the chris rudolphs of the world there's a ton of, we could we can go through a list everybody don has. massey don massey there's a list that we can go yeah. through but leaders like you it's you know it's disheartening that people like you are no longer 
And they, there probably still are some, but the old school mentality, you take care of people first, right? People over everything, take care of your people and we'll take care of you for whatever reason. It, and, and I may not be spot on, but for me, the feeling is that's not necessarily what the military is doing now. It's more take care of yourself and get promoted and worry about your next step in your career. And don't worry about everything else. And that's just not the military I came up in. So I, I, my, I salute you hundred percent and, and wish no. I worked for somebody like you at that time. Al, you bring up a really good point. And it's funny. I'm, I'm, I can't remember who said it, but you know, here we are, every single one of us, we, we served and fought in the period that the, what do we call the global war on terrorism? And it was so funny because everybody talks about it. And I remember this at the battalion command course. They said, well, keep in mind that, you know, battalion command, it's, it's not a sprint. It's a, it's a marathon. I'm like, what are you talking about? They said, you know, it's important for you to go maintain your organizational tempo. And, and that all briefly really well. But the reality is whenever you're in those command positions, it is a sprint. You have a short amount of time to do those things, those metrics, if you will, to be successful. And I think it's important to, to realize that, you know, going back to global war and terrorism, all the soldiers and the NCOs and airmen, Marines and you know, seamen, they're out there fighting the same fight over and over and over. Yeah. doing the same thing. Guess what? A new commander comes in. New ideas. We're going to do it this way. We're going to do it that way. And guess what? Because those commanders, because they don't have the ability to take an appetite suppression on doing extra things, whatever it means, not just executing the mission, the unit suffers because they're trying to please their boss, their boss's boss. And we'll talk about as we go on with the evaluation system, at least in the Army. I don't know about the Navy. Same with us. It's very competitive now. And I understand why it has to be competitive. I think what has happened, we've lost focus of that. We're all yes. about how many points you put in the board, how many cool, wonderful things you do. And we forgot that what it means to be an authentic leader, to take care of the mission, but always take care of your soldiers yeah. and families. Well, the Navy does the same thing as the Army. I feel like the leader, a lot of leadership now leads towards evaluation billets, right? I'm leading and doing something so I can put a mark on an evaluation form to make me look better, to get me promoted. And you, they, people in leadership lose focus of what's really important and what the big picture is. The big picture is you've got troops that are struggling financially. They're going through divorces because they've, they've their op tempo is so high that they don't have time to, to, to take a deep breath. And we got leaders who are more concerned about what is going, what, what they're putting on their, their uniform next, my next rank, my next award. I'm a big, I've always said it when I was at the school house, I told people all the time, take a look at your fucking ribbons on your chest and, 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 and really which ones did you fucking actually earn? Cause most of them, somebody else did hard work. And I, as a leader got credit for it and it put something on my uniform, right? Like stop doing shit for, you know, self, right? Stop doing shit for an evaluation bill. There you go. Stop doing shit for, for your, for you. It's, it's sad, but it, it, it is the fact of the military as a whole, right? People do shit to get, they care about getting promoted. And, and those, the worst thing I hate when leaders say is, well, when I get to that next level, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to change. No, the fuck you're not. I told my troops in, in the schoolhouse, you want to be humbled, take off your fucking rank, Take off your shit and walk around this school, this A school base where all these people are being trained and remember what it was like to be a fucking E1 again. Because you're walking around getting all the props. Hey, chief. Good morning, chief. Hey, sir. Good morning, sir. Take off your shit and walk around the base like you're nobody and see how you get treated. And remember what it was like when you were coming up in the game. Because if you're telling yourself, you're lying to yourself and you're saying, my next rank, I'm going to be different. My next rank, I'm going to have the ability to make a difference. Then you're fucking lying to yourself. Right. I mean, it's the truth. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Willis, 
one of from home front syrup just put on the thing it's that way in the corporate world it's that way everywhere now but we all have to remember too right when we came in the military we were on the tail end of like that vietnam era right so those guys were led a certain way right it was more we're gonna go do it i guess right and then when we come in we're leading a certain way but now when you look at the the military today we all have to remember that the military is just a small picture of what society is. So if that's the way it is in society right now, of course, all those leaders only care about getting to the next rank because that's what it feels like when you walk around outside of that. We all know what we feel would be great to do leading people into the future and how it should be done. The problem is like looking at, look at college today, look at the military today, look at everything. Everything is all about, let's just do it. So everyone's happy. But what we have to remember that I believe, like if you're in the military, you're in there to defend the country, right? And this is the same for law enforcement, firefighters, first responders, all of them. They're there to do a job to protect people. That's not always fun and it's not always nice. So sometimes things have to be done a certain way. But the problem now is when you have to make that decision in a hard situation, it's a problem. So now even your older leaders that are like our age that are on the tail end, don't want to make that decision for fear of what's going to happen to them, even though they know it's the right decision, even though they know they're doing the right thing. People shy away from that now to stay to what Al just said, that status quo of going forward. So like, it's all going to come around at some point, but it's going to take, you know, that next generation coming and going, this is crazy, right? I don't, can't believe we're doing it. And unfortunately, when is that going to happen? But you know, uh, it is. It's sad to see how it works sometimes because I don't understand it. Uh, and to 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 Willis's point, you know, I kind of see it in the corporate world every day as well. Like when you work and, and you're working through things, when you come from the 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 lifestyle we've come from or the the military service that we have, it's like you have that different perspective on how you think things should be. But at the same time, when you try to explain that to someone that doesn't really get selfless leadership. They're just like, what do you mean? We're just going to do it this way. So, you know, that's a, a long rant for nothing. No, Matt, you bring up a really great thing. point. Uh, you bring up a great point. So it's funny. The word you're, I think the word you're, we're all kind of kicking around, authentic leadership. But it's yeah. a true story. So, again, I was a, a battalion commander. Yeah, I worked for a battalion commander for or a brigade commander for it was a six month in the cycle. So I got a short OER. It did exceptionally well. I one had a great relationship. It was the perfect um, you know, symbiosis, if you will. But I worked for another leader. It was funny. It was that it was funny. So we, my friend of mine, he was the XO. His wife took the photos of the change of command ceremony. The next day, I dropped it off to my boss's house and said, "Hey, here you go, man. <clears throat> you know, I hope you're doing well." And she was out doing some yard work at our headquarters. And she stopped out of the blue. It was, it was a most surreal thing. She looks at me. She goes, "Well, thanks, Phil." And she goes, "Phil, authentic leaders." in today's army won't make it. I'm like, excuse me? She's like, let's say it again. Authentic leaders in today's army will not make it. I didn't know what she was talking about until you know later on. I think this is kind of part of my overall story with the disruptor piece. So I got to that point. I worked for this other boss for a year. Again, you look into the timeline. We're in command for two years at the battalion command level. Six months, one year. So I still six months to go. So I came up time, it was time for the evaluation, officer evaluation report. 
And uh, the boss says to me, well, how do you think you did? And I said, ma'am, I think the, the unit never said me. So I think the unit's doing well despite some challenges we have with blah, blah, blah. And she says, oh, okay. She says, well, I think you, uh, she says, it's very clear. She's like, yeah, I think you're too direct. You're too transparent. You're too opinionated. You talk too much. And you lack an emotion. You lack emotional intelligence. <laughs> so that point in time, probably not the smartest thing I should have done. Wow. I said, what's your point, ma'am? So I think that point in time, that's whenever the captain comes on. I said, ladies and gentlemen, we've lost altitude. And I think that 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 was the point in time I realized that, that I lost the fight. And I'm just curious to your perspective, gentlemen. You know, definitely tie as well, especially from the Navy piece. How much does likemanship and likability play into promotions? So it's called. So I here, here's what my here's always been my statement. I've always said it, and I'll say it again. It's called leadership, not likership, right? It's, and and Berto just nailed it. And I was thinking it before he said it, right? It's it's servant leadership. When did we get away from that servant leadership style, right? And you're absolutely right. Unfortunately, sir, you were just like me. You said exactly what needed to be said, when it needed to be said, and they didn't like it, right? Like, what's your point? Like, I'm not there to be your friend. I'm there to support and, you know, whatever your short, long-term goals are, my, my job is to guide you and push you to that direction and help you obtain that in your career, right? It's not about my career. If you're successful as a leader, you're only successful as the people below you, period. Like, that's just, that's just how it is. If they suck, then it's because you fucking suck. I mean, that's, that's a strong fact, right? If you, if as a leader, if your people suck, it's because you are a shitty ass fucking leader. I don't care how you slice it, but you're absolutely right. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a hard pill to swallow when, when you tell somebody the facts and the truth and they, they, they say that like you are, you know, you lack of emo like your emotion, like I'm not here to, to be huggy. I'm here to make sure these people survive when we go down range or whatever, or be successful in whatever their mission is. And, and unfortunately it's, it's gotten so political that that's not the direction that they want anymore. I mean, it's just not. Yeah. And it's, it's unfortunate. And I'd be curious. I think, Al, you're probably in the same boat. It seems like we've had similar experiences where you go after, and I will tell you, my wife, uh, you know, she, she put, put in perspective for me because she, she, uh, her dad was murdered by COVID. We'll talk if we ever get a chance to talk about that. But she was like, you're grieving. I'll tell you, after that, after that assignment I left, was had an incredible assignment in the Netherlands. I was pissed off for three years. I was mad I was, because I was doing great things. I was in an 06 billet, a colonel position, all, all three years I was there. Guess what? Because of the OER checks that happened before in that key job, well, Phil, we're not going to give you what you deserve because you're kind of already damaged goods. So I've been probably curious how, I mean, I, for me, I felt like, it, my, as my wife said, I was grieving a career. It's not that I lost a career. I lost that upward mobility. And I, Same. And nope. I was pissed, but I think you get to a certain point in time and you become accepted because you know in your heart you did the right thing by your soldiers and the mission. So Well, my father. All your thoughts on that. And well, my father and I, my father, it was funny because after it happened, it was the same way. Like I was, I'm still me. I was like, you know, fuck them. They don't, they don't, you know, I was, I was angry. You know, I went through like the whole, all the stages of grief. I was upset. Cause I'm like, damn, now I'm getting out instead of retiring in a year, I'm getting out in the next five months. Cause I was like, fuck it. I'm going to let me out of here pretty much. Like, how am I going to support my family? So all these things go through my head. And I talked to my dad and my, my dad was, he's rich. He's old school, old salt Navy, retired Navy. He pretty much was like, I'm proud of you. Right. And I was like, I don't get it. He's like, dude, 
at the end of the day, you stood on your principles, you stood on your values and you spoke what you, you were honest and you were upfront. And if, and if they don't like that and they don't want that, then like that, he was like, fuck them. That, that, then, then, then some, there's a better plan for you. You got something moving forward. And he was right. It worked out. I'm on this podcast. I, you know, a whole, everything fell into place, but it was, I did, I grieved the, not my career. Cause I, I, I was, I, you know, everybody wants to make it to the pinnacle. I was hoping to make it to E9 and make mass chief. And that was my goal, right. Coming in the Navy. Right. And I knew that that was over, but I think I was more hurt because I felt like as a leader, the people that I was leading, cause I was in a leadership role at that time. It was, I was running my own command, essentially me and my OIC. I felt like that I, I let all these, all these guys down, all my, the, all these sailors down, all these people that work for me down because now I'm out and they're going to have to bring somebody else in. And, and I, you know, I, I felt more hurt because I felt like I let my people down and now I'm not going to be that sounding board. Me and Matt Johnson sat in ranking boards together and, you know, bulldogged. And we, you know, so now I knew that I wasn't going to be that dog in the fight anymore for my guys to, to get promoted and do what they do. And it was, it, it was, it was very gut wrenching. It was, it was, you know, like you said, it was, I, I grieved the, the, what I, what I felt like I, le I left out, left on the table for others. So. Yeah, I think that it's, it's definitely a grief piece. And uh, one of my great friends happens to be a mm -hmm. command star major. He, he, like I may have said it, but he said, there's always going to be that one list that your name is not on. And uh, th th I think it speaks true. But I think the biggest piece, again, I, I know from watching all of you, all of you guys for the last four months is when, when that happens to you, you realize you no longer have that potential to influence the army, Navy, air force Marines at a higher level. Cause if you give a damn, you're, that that that's fifty percent of the battle right there. And you saw me sit back. You look at other people. No, they got promoted. Now, like I said, that's that's not it's not no woe is me thing. But I think ultimately in the end, for for my piece, it, it was mine to lose because of my approach. I never I was never really in tune with my emotional intelligence in that aspect of things. And I think I stuck to my my cavalistic attitude of oh I'm doing this bad stuff. So I again as I look back in my career, I definitely take ownership for a lot. Of, there's a lot of things I would probably do differently differently i'll still stick to my guns and be truthful and authentic but i think bottom line is i, I just didn't play the game the right way so i think you're right out it is what it is sir let me interrupt you yeah. uh it, it would be tragic if you changed anything about your leadership style because i'll tell you this um you are definitely a breath of fresh air on this on the uh staff of officers that we had um at that time i i remember thinking that myself and uh, I was I was told I was very abrasive. So people either I don't know if they liked me or hated me, but they appreciated what I did or they did not like me at all. Wanted to get away from me. So I know I knew from pretty early on with the way you were talking, because you could wax poetic with the best of them. I knew that uh, I knew that we were going to have a good uh, relationship on staff. So. Don't ever say that you would change anything. Don't don't ever change. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't change who I was, but I think for me in the environment I was in, it just I would have done things differently. Um, but you know, just but it, it is what it is. You, you can't change the past. And, and 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 I was talking to Ty as we were doing the run up to this thing, and I learned this back as a cadet when I was in ROTC. It's probably one of the greatest books I've ever read on leadership. It's called Once an Eagle by Anton Myrer. <clears throat> it's a pretty interesting book. I don't want to give too much away, but it tracks the career. Of two officers. One happened last name of Damon. He's the good guy. The other guy happens to have the last name of Massengill. So I'll let you all look into that piece. But they have two parallel careers. And it, it, I don't want to spoil it for it. It's a pretty thick book. But I subscribe to the Matt Damon theory. I mean, the Sam Damon theory. He had some character flaws that I don't really agree with. 
I think when you look at this fictional work, it shows you about when you're when you're a salt of the earth type of leader versus the political leader. If you're doing it, you got to ask yourself, why are you doing what you're doing? It's got to be for the right reasons. And I said, I my whole career, I've been exceptionally blessed. I mean, every single way. Uh, it's, it, it, to me, it was NCOs. I don't know if that was part of the, my my uh, my thought process, but the NCOs were. The, I mean, it's it's cliche, the backbone of the whole military. But man, they got it done. I learned from, them, I listened from, them, and they always had my back. But I do. I like. So it's great to hear you, gentlemen, talking about that. And Ty, I know you had some challenges as well with the military in, in, in your your career as well. But it really comes back down to just those challenges of balancing the politics. But I highly recommend Once an Eagle. Pretty thick book. But it's a good read, and uh, yeah, I think it hits after a lot of the issues. That this was written in 1969 after the Vietnam War, but it goes back a little bit later in time. Yeah, absolutely. We uh, we actually have some. Uh, it's on the new reading list, so we gotta we gotta take a break here real quick and pay the bills. But uh, as soon as we come back, we will get into some uh, more events with Phil Lenz, and we'll uh, we'll talk about some upcoming things. So stick with us. Get ready to groove to the electrifying sounds of DJ Royalty, the maestro of mixing who knows how to turn any event into an unforgettable dance sensation. Royalty Entertainment is here to bring you the ultimate musical experience straight from the ones and twos in your ears and through your body to activate them dancing shoes. Get ready to sweat, party, and have a good time while your DJ needs are being blazed by none other than me, DJ Royalty. I have spent years crafting together a DJ entertainment empire that promises a customized blend of musical tracks, mixing mastery, and top quality sound, all while providing a vibrant ambiance to accommodate any of your DJ needs. Royalty Entertainment Services is your premier one-stop shop for top-tier musical entertainment and is hosted by yours truly. For more information, reservations, and booking, feel free to look around the website at GoDJRoyalty.com. I am DJ Royalty, and this has been another Royalty Entertainment production. Yeah. Gear up in style, wearing Got Your Six Apparel. Every purchase makes a difference. It's more than just clothing, it's a statement of gratitude. Upgrade without breaking the bank. Discover cost-effective, high-quality clothing made in the USA. Each shirt is handcrafted by our team in the great state of Texas and shipped for free to your front door. Got Your Six is where quality meets purpose. We're a small veteran-owned business that takes pride in the mission and the value of our products. Join us in growing a community, supporting our heroes, veterans, and first responders by wearing a custom design. I thought you'd never ask. Visit sameflagsameoath.com and use the code triple threat for 10% off. Follow us on all social media platforms for any upcoming releases or events, and you can reach out to us with questions anytime. We are here to support our brothers and sisters. Hey guys, Matt Verdi here with Veteran Mortgage Solutions. As rates are dropping, home values are going to start to go up. It's time to start looking if you're looking to purchase a home. That being said, we are an all-military veteran loan officer team. We know the ins and outs of the VA home loan. 
We are considered the experts in this field. Give us a call today. Go to our website, veteranmortgagesolutions.com. Fill out my quick form. I'll give you $500 off towards closing costs. Have a great day. dance like that yeah so so you may wonder why why i played that video so in that video that's just some tiktok that i saw i really appreciate the video but in the video when the camera pans in you see a bunch of old records they're watching a movie up there you see some pictures on the mantle of like the the couple when they were young and then it comes on around and what you can't see in the video because i cropped it out is the mother of those children right or who i think is the mother so this is grandparents and just the love they show with each other so shout out to the spouses for putting up with our veteran asses uh we love you and then i, I just want to grow old and dance uh with my wife when i'm 80 something years old not that they were 80 i think they were probably just a few years older than us but that's bro, what I want to do when bro, I get Scott, old. Bro, Scott, seventy five. Look at it. Black don't crack, bro. That motherfucker. They probably two. They probably two hundred twenty five years old, bro. That motherfucker. Hey, looking good. It's gonna be one Scott. Of, <laughs> one of the most. Oh things I picked up in that video was that the kids, right? So the kids in that video, they needed to see mom and dad dance with each other. That's important to yeah. see that love from that dynamic. Uh, to be able to do that in front of them because kids showing affection, and, right? And they need to see that unconditional love. And that's that's what that was there, man. So that's a pretty dope video. I There's like so that. many intricacies going on. Like he he gives her the eyebrows when she's yeah. walking up to him. He's like asking about the shirt, you know, and then, you know, he, he looks like he's about to do some other dance and he's about <laughs> to slap him. Then they go into it like they've been doing it for you yeah. know, the, their whole. It's just it's beautiful. And, and I can some appreciate some shit like that. So uh, yeah. shout out to the spouses. And, and I love you, Sarah. Yeah, You should never be too busy to dance with the wife. Hey, speaking of old people, <laughs> I see Scott gave up on, on the gray beard. I see you gave it up and went Mike Lowry on that ass and dyed it back black. I see what you got going on. Okay. Well, he just shaved. That's it. <laughs> the chin grows in. The chin doesn't grow in like yours, bro. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. I got a black stripe. Yeah, man. My my beard grows to a certain point and it starts doing this weird, funny stuff, man. I got those little real strange crowny hairs and they they get on my nerves. Hey, hey I'll do you one better, uh Chief Carmona. This is the book right here, Once an Eagle by Anton Meyer. It's on the uh, reading list, so now you got something to do in Kuwait, brother. Once an Eagle by Anton Meyer. Yes, she got pictures in it. Not many. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> they might have the audio book. You can listen. David, hey, David's fucked because it's not a coloring book. He's going to be screwed. Yeah. Right? Well, you know, he wouldn't even get past the first page if it was a coloring book. As soon as those things got opened, we're not getting past page one. Yeah, for sure. <laughs>
So I will say real quick, we got a uh, special guest in the backstage area here. I want to bring uh, Phil the Disruptor Lens back on, and and then I want to bring on this uh, special guest that wants to say hello to you, sir. Hey, there he is. How good? Yes, neighborhood, Alberta. What's up, brother? You tell me. It's all good. Yeah, I'm getting jump started. I'm looking at all these great beards and facial growths. You know, I just I, I can't do it, man. <laughs> You're getting a little jealous. I said the same thing, and then you just let it go one day, and it'll be all right. All right. Yeah. Listen, I want to touch on on a couple of things if I can, right? Like, so you were talking about leadership styles, and I got to tell you, Ty hit it dead on. The your your leadership style was so different to what we were used to between you and 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 Sergeant Major Woodring. You guys were definitely not. You broke the mold of what a um, what a leader should be and what that looks like. And I, I don't disagree with Al, right? One of the most disheartening things that I, I witnessed in, in both of my deployments was awards being given by rank and not by the work, Yep. right? And so, but I gotta tell you, you know, I have a lot of fond memories of, of not only us in Iraq, but even back stateside, uh, you want to talk about Disruptor, I believe you were in the meeting with Colonel Delata when he requested a 120-inch TV screen to be put in the conference room. And as the meeting started, he said, by the way, gentlemen, nobody tells me no. And what did Specialist Fight do? No, we're not buying you a 120-inch screen. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I took a lot of that leadership and, you know, now in my current position, you know, I have 13 staff members that fall under me. I report directly to a service chief. It's, uh, you know, I take lessons from Ty, from you, from Woodring, from so many leaders that I had. And you guys influenced the way that I now lead my staff. So for that, I thank you. So you That's awesome. Staff. One of the best compliments I ever received in my life was uh, in uh 2005, Berto and I were waxing poetic about religion, I believe. And he said something that to this day is the greatest compliment I ever received from a soldier, much less a friend. He said, you are the most self-aware person that I know. Mm -hmm. And I've always wanted to be self-aware and be selfless when it came to the soldiers. Now, I've been to backwards for soldiers. But like I said, I don't know if they actually like me, but I know what they I like. They liked what I did for them. Right. And I will say, Phil, you you had one of those. Um, you you said earlier in this interview that you did not have emotional intelligence. I will argue that with you, because E one through whatever rank, if there was an issue, you typically identified it before anybody else, and you pulled that person aside. And to me, that's that's the definition of emotional intelligence: being able to identify when somebody's in distress and pull them aside to try to help, right? It, that's that's just part of that servant leadership, right? You take care of the Joes and the mission will will happen. It's that easy, it, right? So we hard. complicate things. No, I, Albert, you're exactly right. And again, I learned at a young age, I mean, probably more so as a second lieutenant in the 1st Cavalry Division. Leadership mm -hmm. is not hard if you care. If you care, right. Bob Soto, my first platoon sergeant, he said, LT, you know, we had some initial, some things going on, he says, you know, we've all heard it before. People don't people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And like I said, to me, the military has always been easy. But you get to the upper levels, and like I said, it, I, I do take ownership for some of the things that 
that happened. I just didn't play the game very well. I don't think I would change very much. But I think when we look at the overall system, my question to all of us, and I know we've got a lot of uh, different people out there. I'm not sure if Nate Brookshire is out there. That is one uh, lieutenant colonel that I think should have been a commander a while ago. Uh, we've got some great folks. Can we turn the ship with the Department of Defense? Can we turn the ship with the evaluation system? Can we turn the ship without the, from the political perspective? Can we turn the ship to be that selfless leader, to be truly authentic? So I pose a question back to you. Is it possible, not just you, but the community that's watching right now? Can we change it? I think you can okay. change it. Mm -hmm. But I was going to say the evaluation system and the services are all different anyway, right? So, if, you know, just I was coming from the Navy, you know, you, you get evaluated. But the thing that I found, Al was talking about earlier, me and Al, and, you know, we, we do all those evaluation rankings of our sailors in the chief's mess. And it depends on the group of people you have together to doing those evaluations. If you have a group of people that give a shit and they care, then you're going to come out with a good product. You have a group of people that are in there looking for, you know, the thing that we used to be told by guys like Don Massey, Chris Rudolph, they'd walk in the door and they would go, if you can only promote one, that's who we're looking for. It doesn't matter how good they do their job. doesn't matter this. It's got to be the whole rounded person. But then there was other times when we would be in the room, great group of people, but everybody likes to win. And that was the problem with the valuation yep. rankings is because someone would come in the door and it was, it happened all the time. My guy's the greatest thing on the planet. He deserves to be number one. And then guys like me and Al Hero and even Scott Blake when we were in Houston would sit in the room and be like, that's really funny because like not even two weeks ago, you were talking about writing his ass up for dereliction of duty or something. Oh, yeah. And then the guy's like, what, what are you talking about? Like, dude, you talk so much shit about this guy. And now you wanted to be number one because we're in a ranking board? Like, Because it be matters honest. for them because it looks good exactly. for them to get because, one guy. But here was the biggest problem, though, Al. That same guy has already fed all of the people that he was going to take care of them because he's that guy. I've got that pool. And he didn't want to have to go back and go, I wasn't good enough to do what I told you I was going to do because I wasn't a good enough leader to be honest with you and tell you that you weren't ready for it anyway. That's the problem is that people get put into leadership positions a lot of times when they're not ready. And we have to do that in the military. Sometimes you don't have a choice. The biggest problem, though, is they don't have a really good mentorship program to bring that person that's not ready up because all the other guys are also trying to lead at the same time. And so we can send people to all the schools that we want and we can teach people all these things in a classroom. But that classroom doesn't prepare you to be in front of that sailor to explain to them things like, yeah, I'm sorry, we couldn't get you the EP. Now you got to get out and hire your tenure. I hope you and your family do well. And now I got to I got to be honest that I couldn't get it done. And I should have been telling you this whole time. You probably need to prepare to get out. That's what a good leader would do. But no, I don't want to have that conversation with you because now that's really hard. We, we avoid the hard stuff. And so I think the evaluation system can be fixed just simply by picking the right person, right? Like, you know, I know in the Navy, it was more of an evaluation where we ranked people. I don't really know how the Army process is. From what I understand, there's points that go into this. And mm -hmm. I've talked to Army guys that are like, I've been maxed out on points for 10 years. I'm just not getting the nod. And I'm like, what? It's everybody's different. If you want to make this better, like there has to be a set standard. But to your point, Phil, when you get into that higher position of, of rank and you have the ability to make a difference, you make the difference based off what you want 
not what's right. And so it's got to be your legacy that you leave out there that this is the thing I did. And it may not always be the good thing. And anybody that has a great idea on how to do it the right way, nobody wants to talk to them. They like push them in the corner. So it's going to be difficult because nobody is ever going to get along and nobody's ever going to agree. But everybody loves to disagree, but we can't disagree to agree. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think I think I would add two things, Matt. Actually, I one is, you know, the you're right. The point system and the evaluation system is is not the best indicator of if somebody's ready, right? Just because you can run a two mile in, in 13 minutes does not make you ready to be a leader. And by I think by virtue and and Phil, correct me if I'm wrong, by virtue of uh, OEF, OIF, and OND we had to then promote younger and younger and younger and quicker and quicker and quicker because older NCOs were retiring. They didn't want to be part of OEF, OIF, OND. So in turn, what ended up happening is you had E5s that were 20 years old, right? I was an old head. I came in at 27. I did basic training at 27. And you think a 20-year-old is going to tell me what the hell I'm going to do with my life for the next five years? No, right? And so that was part of it. Maturity was not factored in. I saw so many NCOs in the line companies of 716 that ended up with drug issues and getting discharged because they bought cocaine from an undercover cop in Nashville, right? And that's the people that we promoted. But the guys that knew their job, the guys that were there day in, day out, never complained. If you needed to put in 12-hour days, they were there. They didn't get the promotion, right? And so, and I know that's, it may sound very specific and it, and it is. Uh, the other thing that I would say is what, what, how do you know, you can't predict who's going to be a good leader, right? Nope. When I met Ty, Ty was an E4 and he was just another Joe Blow, right? Another combo guy. And, you know, I was never just some bot, just some Joe Blow. I always stand <laughs> out. Joker, you were jealous of uh, when we got tattoos on the same weekend. You got jealous of my my tattoo. That's what that's what I remember of you and I. That's because it was better than mine. I was competitive. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I think that's that's the other factor, right? Like yeah. how much of it is it a gamble? But, Matt, you said something very interesting to me. And you said we tend to avoid the hard things. And you're right in the sense of emotion in the yeah. sense of likability versus leadership like al was talking about we you know we those are hard you told me to go do the aerosol course three times in a row let's go right that's challenging but i'll get it done but if i need to have a hard conversation with somebody that is you know we you know we don't teach uh, um emotional regulation in the military we don't teach uh finance management we think we do but I just got, I just admitted a 40 year old veteran into a residential program who legitimately does not know how to balance a checking account, does not know how to pay his electric bill. 40 years old, right? Did 12 years in the military. Yeah. So if we're taking guys in at 18, where is the life skills outside of the uniform? Well, that's the, that's the whole thing. We prepare you to be a soldier, sailor, Marine, or an airman. We prepare you to do the mission. But there's mm-hmm. things that can be done that come back. That's why when you look at talking about military spouses, like every time my wife and I go out somewhere, they're always like, thank you for your service. And I tell everybody, like, she served too. Don't mm-hmm. don't get that twisted because I'm always gone. How is all this house going to be here and all these bills going to be paid and things like that in a lot of cases if it's not bun- done by somebody that's holding it down at home? But we mm-hmm. don't 
prepare you to get out. We don't prepare you that you're going to walk into a civilian uh, workforce. And when you walk in there, that joke you think is funny is going to get you. (laughs) But you just don't know that. But here's the problem. (laughs) Everybody you've been around for the last four years thought that was funny. Nobody told you you need to correct that. But then you can't say chicken. Yeah, just just like you're aware of things. And so it's like it's hard to to get to that point. Like I like you, my tail into the military, I could have went on to try to be a master chief, too, if I wanted to do it. Right. I wasn't really willing to sacrifice all the time it would take, all the other moves you had to do and all the other stuff I needed to do in order to do that. And for me, it was like, go do this for what reason? I already made it further than I ever thought I was going to get in the military anyway. And so to retire as a master chief versus a senior chief, looking back on it, I made a good decision because as soon as you're out, nobody, nobody cares what my rank nobody is. Gives a fuck, they don't like you're now a part of yeah. the uh, of the civilian world and you got to figure it out. And, you know, the hardest part is, is, is figuring that out. But I mean, to that point too, is when you have those hard conversations, you know, sometimes you just got to be honest with people and people just are afraid to do that. Because then they're going to have to sit there and hear about it. And then they're going to have to talk with that person. And then mm-hmm. they're going to have to, you know, really hear that emotion come back. And let's let's be completely honest. Half of us veteran guys are not ready to receive that emotion from somebody and be mm-hmm. compassionate and kind in the way that we need to. When they're like laying it all out there, we're like, oh, my God, is someone else going to walk in the room to help me because I can't do it? So we would rather just be nice to you and tell you what you want to hear and let you know that we're going to make it all good for you. And then when it doesn't come true, we're going to blame the officer that we work for and go, he just doesn't like you. I don't know what it is. Right. Like, come on, man. Be honest. Sorry, go ahead, Phil. No, I was going to say real quick, I'd lose my train of thought in this one. So it's funny when you talk about, you know, just the, the inner workings of military. I, I like you said, I, to this day, I, I, the 33 years I put in, I absolutely loved it. I do believe the one thing works very, very well within the Department of Defense. That's the SHARP program, sexual harassment. Yeah. Um, you know, the, I think that whole piece works. And I've said this, so this is an interesting, true story, and we'll get back on tangent. So working at the college I work at, we had our first home football game. I'd only been there for a couple months, three months, just retired out of the Army. And here we are. We're, we're playing in the football field. I guess now football players, they have warm-up music. They're playing music, piping to the, the, the stadium. The stands are up. we got about 150 recruits up there. And I hear this music. I'm on the backside of my patrol car. I'm listening. I hear this music. It was very, very graphic. That's all I'm going to say about that. We're talking some crazy stuff. And I'm like, ah, you talk about spider senses. I got in there. I went up to the booth. I said, turn that off right now. Blah, blah, blah. Like, well, well. they wouldn't listen. Athletic, athletic director said, no, get out of here. I said, on behalf of the president, turn it off. And I got, I got slammed for that because here I am. I'm seeing the bigger picture. And here, if this was a military and it was a commander, if you were doing something out of a, some type of a unit function, you were going to get relieved on the spot. So I think there's a lot of good, even though us, between us, amongst us professionals, as guys and girls, we, you know, we can talk about this thing. I think there's a lot of goodness with the overall things like the SHARP program. So big fan. Yeah, sure. me well. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, I, where I was going to go with it, Phil, is, you know, uh, Matt, you talked about like once once you leave, right, like, it's all about the civilian life at that point, right? Like, so a, I can't remember who, who said this to me, but think about the amazing things that us six in this, in this podcast right now have done for a simple piece of cloth. Think about that. Yep. That stack that you had, that's a cloth. 
go to your civilian employer and tell him, yo, I got I got four R comms, I got I got a good conduct medal, and he's gonna be like, and exactly <laughs> That's work exactly on right. <laughs> right. You know, it's it's horrible, Berto, though, when you bring that up is like what I think is the worst about that is there's all these guys that do all this time in the military to defend their country and give that civilian employer the right to do what they're doing and have what they have. Sometimes veterans just want to hear like, oh, that's amazing. Thank you for what you did. But most people are like, so like what, dude? Like you sat here and played video games. while I was over there like dodging bullets and you're like, you don't care. And we just don't understand that. But some of us in the military coming out of it have to also understand that we defended the right for people to choose to or not do that. And so it's hard to get those perspectives of like, you know, who's right, who's wrong. But we all we just need to do better at relating to what everybody's saying. You know what I mean? Like, like I get that you're there and you're here. How can we get to the middle? And what I've found and a lot of the work I'm doing now is Everybody wants to stay here. Nobody wants to listen to this side and nobody definitely wants to trout towards the middle because then that means we'd have to agree with somebody. And it's like, Oh my gosh. What? Yeah. We what? would rather, we would rather burn the house down than agree to turn the water on. You know what I mean? Right. It's, it's, it's crazy sometimes. Well, there's part of, um, shoot, I lost the, the, the phrase that I was going to use, Sorry. but there, there's no, no, you're fine. There's um, there is a disconnect, right? And if we the way I the way I try to explain to veterans is the language that you should be using not only in like a professional environment but also in a civilian environment is the same way that you would be talking to your company commander, right? You're not gonna you know depending on your relationship like Nasty Nate you know or <laughs> Nate Brookshire. Uh, he, you know, he was very upfront and, you know, he, we were able to have that, that relationship with him to change certain things. But guess what? When I got told that I had to go out on mission with them and the, and the PSD team, and all of a sudden I'm hearing crap about, oh, we got to go to the, uh, the crop, the cross sabers. I'm like, excuse me. Uh, I'm not a tourist. I'm a combo guy. We're going to go do the sensitive <laughs> inventory and we're coming back. And they wanted to deviate from the mission just to go take freaking pictures. Are you kidding yeah. me? No, no. Yeah, that's how it works, that's man. A, that's a disruptor. That's I remember. Uh, I remember hearing about that when, whenever that happened. I mean, mm-hmm. the commander wanted to go take a picture. So, hey. so? that's crazy. Murdo was like, "Hell no!" He was the he was the no. chief on the ground. Hell no. Damn right. No. Like, <laughs> well, I will. You don't I deviate, will say listen, this. You don't deviate from mission, yeah. right? That's when shit happens. That's when things go wrong. And I'm sorry that you missed your opportunity to take a fucking picture at the crosshavers. I'm I mean, sorry. That that probably burned them to the core, right? It was really hot for them to have to go through that, deal with that, and then go, I couldn't get what I wanted to do. I'm really on fire about it inside. Feels like somebody was put in the hot seat in that situation. But Berto, you made yeah. it out, dude. You made it yeah. out. Hey, Berto, I'm going to bring up the point again. I, this is kind of a a little emotional for a lot of us, but uh, remember when I was there, you know, served with you guys in Iraq. Staff Sergeant Cribben, rest in peace, mm-hmm. our first class Cribben. Uh, he was, he was, he was our, you know, our my PSD team, if you will. Mm-hmm. I think I loved about it. I think when we, we get after the leadership aspect. I was not a big fan of always going out of the wire because I thought a lot of times you didn't, people we didn't need to do it for that reason. But one thing I recall every time I would go out, and Dusty Rudd can attest to this as well. 
I would tell the team, what was our objective for that day? Why are we going to Cork District? Or why are we going to this location? Why are we going? What are we going to accomplish? And I would come back afterwards and say, this is what we did. Sometimes it was just sitting around drinking chai and smoking cigarettes. So nothing was ever accomplished. But I think that's an important piece. And I'm also, if it's not in your book, tied to the rest of the gentleman, <clears throat> big fan of Simon Steinick, S-I-N-E-K. His book is called It Starts With Why. That guy basically you know, stole the military way of leadership. But it's important, I think, as we're doing that piece from the soldier piece. Yeah, if you're, if you're in the suck, you're doing something that's not exactly popular. doesn't matter if you're on a ship, on a flight line, or you're humping up a hill. you got to give people the perspective of why you're doing it. And what are the overall results? So I think it kind of ties into that point, Berta. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. I mean, we we did things that we probably shouldn't have sometimes. Uh, but at the same time, like I remember, I don't know if Ty remembers this. I think this was right before you got there. All of a sudden, uh, the the colonel comes in and he was like, "We need 15 retrans sites all over the fucking, all, all over the land area." And I'm like, "No, no. Let me go out with the MPs. Let me teach them how to do combo." And then let's let's save some money because I'm not going to go out chasing 35 radios in theater just because you can't listen. And what did we do? We went and taught them how to do super whips. We taught them how to talk over the the concrete walls of the of the police stations and such. And guess what? Nobody had to go set up 35 retrans sites. Right. We only had one, uh, two, technically, if I remember correctly. Three. There was one Three. on BBC. Remember? Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 All right, so hey, Berto, I really appreciate you coming on. It's not every podcast that has its own licensed clinical social worker. So thank you very much, brother, for coming on. Uh, so we will have Berto on to do the uh, Ask Berto segment uh, fairly soon, but uh, he's going to work with me on how to do that. But hey, thanks, Berto. Appreciate you, brother. Absolutely. Good and you, please get my contact info from Ty. I would love to catch up with you. I'll get it to him right after this. All right. All right. Hey, it's about that time. What you think? I think so. The the part of the show that has, has been dreaded from the beginning. Man, you know, it's like I said before, for some of the newer folks, I got some of my family listening in. Man, I, I, I've been researching you. I'm trying to psychoanalyze you. And man, you have got no pattern. You've got no, no method of your madness. So you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and take the shot. You got to go with it, brother. You just got to go with it. Let me change my hat. You know what time. The hot seat. My multiplier hat on. Here we go. All right. Are you ready, Phil? No, but let's go. Let's do it, man. Let's go. This is my first time jumping out of an airplane. Are you ready? (laughs) Let's go. It'll be all right now. Parachute is parachute was inspected by some of your soldiers that you that you led, so you know it's, it's it's going to get you down on the ground. All right, here we go. We're going to start off with this. Phil, would you rather acquire material items or experiences? We'll take experiences for five hundred, DJ Royalty. Okay. Can you? Uh, Go into that a little bit. Why would you take experiences? Well, you know, it's funny. I, many years ago, I wouldn't have said that. Um, you know, having lost my father-in-law recently, he was a <clears throat> he, he was murdered by COVID protocols. Um, I think when you look at things like that, you look what's more important to you, what's precious in your life. 
all yeah. this stuff. It's 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 materialistic. It's, you can't take it with you. And those experiences, those relationships, man, uh, that's that's something that's sacred and it will last a hell of a lot longer. So, outstanding. All right. What do you see as your best character trait? Best character trait, I think it's the fact that I'm definitely personable. And part of that personal aspect is really comes back to being humble, just being you know, simple and being authentic to who I am and more so, you know, even now as a civilian leader. So it's being myself. Nice. Okay, we talked a lot about this leadership and all these things like this. Um, what would you say is your greatest success to date? Greatest success to date, man. That, that's funny because you, you, man. That's a tough question. I think it's for me. It's 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 being a, a husband, being a father, um, raising you know four kids. They're going to do great, wonderful things because it's for every single one of us. I heard you gentlemen talking before the previous podcast. It's not about us. It's about how do we pay it forward? How do we pay it forward to our, our soldiers, or sailors, airmen, and marines? I think for me, it's really about being a, a good father and a good husband. So I'm still not. Still not great at it, but keep on trying. My man. All right. We'll get into a little bit more of that. You know, we learn to forgive and forget and move on, right? What would you say is an unforgivable action? I don't think I don't think anything is unforgivable. I, and I and I say that and I and I sit back and because uh, I think from a perspective of, as a Christian. I mean, we have ability to forgiveness, but I think you can think of certain scenarios, you know, murder, killing, things like that. Uh, I, I think you can forgive, but again, going back to, I hate to put my, my wife, she's not here right now, but you know, her father-in-law was killed because of hospital pro- protocols. And I asked her, I said, are you going to be able ever to be to forgive? She said, no. So I, that's a tough call, I think, as well. But I think for me, I think everything can be forgivable if you let yourself do it and you, and you give it to prayer. For sure. Okay. What would you say is your biggest fear in life? Failure. I'm afraid to fail. <clears throat> yeah, quick story, real quick. I promise I'll shut up. I swear. Came in the army. Couldn't get into college, as I mentioned before. I came in the army. Did basic training. Did exceptionally well. Went to an AIT, a good fellow Air Force base. I was an intelligence analyst. I failed test once. Got recycled. Twice recycled. Third time. Not too many people know this. Uh, but I was basically, I failed a course, and I remember walking back to my barracks on a hot October day in, in, in southwest Texas, tears running down my eyes, thinking, guess what? I couldn't get into college. I, 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 you know, I can't make it in the Army. I'm going to be a loser. And guess what? The next day, I came back, and I somehow impressed an Air Force tech sergeant that I wanted to do great things for my country, great things in the military. I said, guess what? I'm never going to fail again. So that's to this day, I think that's kind of what drives me is failure. You know, is it happening if I failed? Yeah, absolutely, I sure have. But I think that the greatest fear I have is fear of failing. Well said, my man. <clears throat> All right. If you could be an animal for one week, what would you be? I'd probably be Ty Cobb. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I think I think I would really be a dog. I mean, dogs. I think that is to me. I'm you know, I love I love all animals. I love dogs. I just think that they that dogs get cats. They can be very self and self uh, focused. Dogs are always happy to see you every time you come and go. Uh, they don't they don't pontificate about much. They don't worry about much. And they can, I think being a dog would be pretty nice for about a, about a week. Gotcha. 
I know one of these. I'm gonna ask you anyway. What are your top five rock bands of all time? Yeah, that's a, the rock band. That's a great question. Number one, Black Sabbath. That's all eras. Ozzy Osbourne, Ronnie James Dio, Tony Martin, uh, the whole piece. Uh, number two, um, Iron Maiden. Three, Clutch. Probably never heard I was wearing the hat before. Uh, four, Leonard Skinner. And probably five, I got to give it to Kiss. I mean, <clears throat> you know, they're all, not all their music is great for the record. I know Rich Woodring is a big Kiss fan as well. But uh, yeah, that's probably my big top five right there. Gotcha. All right. What is your fondest military moment? Man, you really made me think of these ones. <clears throat> yeah. I think I think it's, it's 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 all the moments tied up together. It's the fact that I put on the uniform. It's the fact that I serve. It's the fact that you know I protected the Constitution of the United States against all enemies to war and domestic. I think it's a conglomeration of everything I've ever done. I mean, I don't think you can really isolate it. So I think just just having the ability to serve my country as a soldier and a leader. Yeah. This question here, my mom used to tell me when I was a young kid. She says, "Son." You're going to stand for something or you're going to fall for anything. And that I, that resonated with me my whole life. I always had to figure out <clears throat> what it is I'm standing for. So I'm going to ask you that question. If you were to say you stand for something or fall for anything, what do you stand for? I stand for doing what's right. I stand for calling things out for what they are. I stand for being truthful. Um, you know, I think I stand for being a man of God. Um, so I think it's just, it, I think it goes back to kind of the premise of today's, uh, you know, talking points, uh, being yourself, you got to stand to be yourself regardless of your views. Yes, sir. All right. This one right here is important. This is for all of our listeners out here. Part of why we do what we do. Question I have for you. Have you ever been not okay? And with that being said, if you ever have been not okay, how did you get through it? I'm never okay. You know, <clears throat> I think uh, collectively my wife is going to give her the credit. Uh, her motto, it's okay to not be okay. I argue and I tell this to a lot of people because I get a chance to influence the students at a college. There is not one of us in this world, I don't care who you are, that's not going through some shit. Yeah. You're not, if you say you're not that person, you're full of it. So I think in that, in that regard, it's, it's it really comes back down to, um, you know, yeah, I mean, I think I kind of answered that. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, this one right here is for the crew. I wouldn't beat myself if I didn't ask this question. I think sure. I know because you're 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 a musician yourself. But we got to pick one. Who's better? I'm not going to go into detail because Al gets on me with it. I'm just going to leave it. Who do you think is better, Prince or Michael Jackson? So I, I, this is this is like your your famous question. Like so, I can look back as a military police officer. Uh, I'm very observant. So you got the big grand piano in the background back there. I saw what you did to Dusty Rudd or beat up Rudd there. <laughs> I think truly, I think it comes back down. It's going to be Prince. And I know you, I was I saw one of your I came around long ago as you were talking yeah. to somebody about Prince. And I think Prince. He, I mean, you're you're picking on the guest because. Oh yeah, he plays yeah. all these instruments. Yeah, yeah. The Prince man, and then one of my I tell you, one of my other favorite bands, a band called Fishbone. I know you probably like. You never know what direction you're going to get attacked from. Uh, it, it, I mean, he, he has the ability to create music that's it, it just it just you wonder where he had the actual genesis 
and ideas for that. Uh, Michael Jackson, even though he could play a little piano, some things he was not a true musician. A lot of his music was written for him. And of course, he had the Jackson Five backing him up when he was younger. Love Michael Jackson. I think I learned how to play bass by listening to a lot of those those bass lines. We're actually done on a keyboard, by the way, and I think you know that. But I, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to go to, to uh, Prince right now. And I say that funny. Well, I'm in the band we're playing, and they gave us a set list the other day. Like I learned the song Cream. Love the song. I've not played it, so he's got some great stuff. And I think he's. <laughs> Oh man, well, there you go. You made it through the hot seat, man. You did good. You did good. All right, thanks, man. Appreciate you, brother. Same thing, you guys. Yeah. You guys uh, hey, I, I, I do want to say real quick though. I super appreciate how you let Scott down super easily <laughs> on the Prince answer. Yeah, that was so caring and caressing. You don't even give him a chance to be like, "What?" The? He was like, yeah, yeah. Oh, "This guy." <laughs> Well, you know what? Maybe, maybe I'm asking that question wrong. We talk the language of music, right? Yeah. I just, so I, don't know. I don't know how we got. I don't know how we got here. I just, I don't know. I, I haven't. I have never seen people react to a person like I did Michael Jackson. I'm just saying. I just never seen. Both ways, I mean, though, right? You go to a Prince concert is great. The music's great. CDs, you know. But I, I, the way people would pass out. <laughs> Uh, you know what I mean? People would literally get carried away in the ambulance at a Michael Jackson concert just because he came out on the stage and just threw his hands up. It was it's more than I don't know. For I, I, Scott, I, when we take a look at it, I mean the real quick, I know you guys were all on the timeline, but take a look at the mainstream media forced down our throat today. It's mm -hmm. not good. It's very simple. And I'm not talking simple in a Ramones kind of way. The music is really not good. Some of the other stuff you really want to take some time to listen to it, that stuff is complex. It's, guess what? It's not going to resonate with the normal public. Yeah. They want the simple, the pop piece. I mean, it, like I said, good tunes is good tunes, is what I say. If you like it, like it, you know? Yeah, I got you. I got you. I, I, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm learning. I, I'm getting, you know, like you say, we talk about leadership and being transparent and stuff. I'm, I'm, you guys are schooling me on how you guys think and, and what makes good music. My way is not always the right way. And you have to understand that. But I just like to get the perception of, what people think, but I just maybe for me, I just remember being a kid, man. When Motown 25 came on, I watched that every single day for probably two months straight. I knew I watched it every day. It was just like this dude is like a superhero. I just, I just, he was like a superhero to me, but you know, well, you, you know, he's the, he's the uh genesis of the Super Bowl halftime show as we know it today. When he uh, I forget where it was, but he like popped up on one column up in the top of the stand yeah. another one and then finally came up in the middle that's what before that they just had like marching bands and maybe yeah. you know a little band but he's the one that kind of well, if I'm not mistaken, halftime show <laughs> during that halftime show his band he they actually played their own music they don't play real music nowadays so put yeah. that right. and, and i mean yeah uh his, his drummer is one of my favorite drummers i forget his name i think his last name is moffitt but he he does the weird symbol shit but yeah yeah, yeah I, I i definitely appreciate his band for sure and he's i mean and now and now you get stuck, stuck with super bowl friends. come on yeah now you get super bowl shows with usher wearing a dress when did, when did that become okay grown <laughs> man wearing a dress I, I respect you none none zero i threw all my usher shit out usher you dead to me. <laughs> you reminded me i want to go back to something that uh that phil said before <clears throat> um 
I want to talk the, uh, if you don't mind, sir, uh, could you talk about the murder by COVID? Cause I have that, I, I wrote that down when you said it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was, uh, I, I had, it was so funny. So going back in the, the summer of 2022, I had COVID and I'm immunocompromised. <clears throat> I had COVID uh, pretty suffered pretty bad. Well, it turned into pneumonia. I was sick. My wife, my rest of my family was sick when I was going through the pneumonia phase. My, uh, my sergeant major at the time, Jesse Goitia, never forget him. He finally said, guess, guess what? You're getting your ass. We're going to the hospital. <clears throat> Went to the emergency room, uh, waited eight hours. Uh, they finally discerned, yeah, guess what? You do have COVID or you, you do have pneumonia. Uh, however, you're good. You don't need to go on any type of breath treatments. They gave me ivermectin, um, a, you know, a lot of great medicines and, you know, antibiotics and things to take care of myself. And then I got better. I probably was feeling better within probably four hours. And the next day I was up and operational. I recovered. Now I lost 35 pounds in 31 days. Not a diet plan I recommend. I could probably use it now that I'm retired, but I was sick as hell. So fast forward another year forward, my wife, Janet, her dad, same thing happens to him. He gets COVID over the holidays, <clears throat> turns into pneumonia. They take him to a hospital. They die. They did shit for him. They did nothing for him. They put him on a ventilator and they basically said, guess what? You know, this is, this is, this is your fate. And it went on for probably about seven or eight days. My wife flew up there. Um, she's relentless. She went back and uh, she tried to fight the doctors to get him licensed some type of medication. Uh, ivermectin, she said, it worked for my husband. Guess what? All the hospitals, and this is Phil's belief and many others, because they're controlled by these protocols, they're controlled by the big pharma companies, that protocol across the board exists for reason because the United States of America wants people to die. But you don't have to buy into that theory. The reality is my, my father was murdered because of hospital protocols. So if you want, I can send you a link tie in slower time. My wife, Emilio, wow. about to four or five months ago where she talked about it as part of a, a campaign across the board. She absolutely killed it. She's far more articulate than I am. But you take inventory of yourself. How many people died from COVID? Not many. How many people died from pneumonia because it wasn't right. treated? Many. So that, that's where we're at as a family. And uh, it, it sucks. We lost a great man. And my wife is just uh, was like John Paul Jones or that who was. She's not yet begun to fight. Yeah. Mm. Damn. Mm. That's, that's powerful, sir. That is really powerful. Yeah, man. Moment of silence for dad, man. That's that. Yeah, and then and then our buddy. Uh... Sorry. Same thing happened to Wayne. That is exactly yeah. what happened to him. Yeah, yeah that's, that's where I'm getting choked up. Right? Same thing. Yeah, thank you. That is exactly yes. what happened. Yeah. You, know, you remember Gina McCloskey? We were we were with her in Iraq. Mm -hmm. One of your soldiers, right? She was comma. Same thing happened to her dad. It's happened to hundreds of thousands of people in America, more so. Like I said, I want to bring everybody down, but we can talk more on that one. But sometimes you got to question the answers. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Well, I mean, to transition, uh, we do have some upcoming events, and uh, we want you to stick around for uh, some of these games, if you're all right with it, sir. I'm all about the Pro Bowl. All right. <laughs> oh, I wasn't going to pick the Pro Bowl. I was watching the, uh, the uh, skills challenges before we came in here for the thing tonight so all right so uh so lots of to be determined just due to weather and things like that so check the website for all the overlanding that project zero's got going on and then uh matt if you don't mind yeah so i mean their their biggest goal is to do what we talk about a lot on this podcast you know they 
you know, they do well with the, the adventure getaway shark fishing and overlanding. And a lot of people are involved in that, but they're one of their biggest missions this year is to help people with the mental side of things, right? When you need help, you need to talk to somebody, you need to, to get it out there. They're really trying to, to help in that arena. So uh, any, anyone, you know, that can use help, it's okay to refer people, right? Sometimes they'll, they'll, they'll thank you for it later. They may be angry initially, but sometimes they just need that help. Um, so if you or someone you know needs help, law enforcement, first responders, uh, veterans, military members, reach out to Project Zero. They got they got someone that can help you out for sure. And it's anonymous, by the way. No one's going to know you're talking to them. So it's uh it's good. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's good that uh, Berto actually came on. He asked me for a link, I guess, uh, earlier this today, but. I'd already planned to mention Asberto's definitely on there. And then, sir, if you don't mind, uh, would you mind talking about the book a little bit? I, I basically did the little synopsis and something that uh, General Dempsey said. But go ahead and wax poetic about the book again, if you don't mind, sir. Absolutely. Yeah, as I mentioned before, uh, Anton Myers, Once an Eagle, written in 1969 or 71, right after the Vietnam War. And it goes back to World War II. Basically tells the story of America, what I feel. America, and to me, even though it's it's fictitious, fictitious, it tells a story, the true story, of what it means to be an authentic and engaged leader, where picks basically parallels to the career of two officers, Sam Damon, not to be confused with Matt Damon, and again, another officer by the name of Massingill. Well, they basically go up the ranks, and uh, I'll let you figure the rest of it out, but it, I think it goes back to the, the old motto, it doesn't matter where you start. It only, only, only matters where it finishes at, and uh, I think it's important for us. And I think when uh, Scott was talking about what do you stand for, uh, it's a great book about that one. And I'll tell you what, that thing I had, I probably given away about four copies in my whole career. That thing's chock full of just leadership lessons. Doesn't matter what branch of the military, leadership is leadership is leadership. Pretty big book. Damn. So definitely take a look at it. Yeah, we're gonna have to put that as a reel for the book. I have to uh, tag the book uh, publishers on that one. That's a it was excellent. All right, we did the hot seat. All right, all right. So here, here is coming into the week. Uh, Matt six and four. I was eight and two. Al was four and seven. Scott was uh, six and four. So uh, here's what happened with the uh, the games last week. Chiefs, uh, Chiefs won. San Francisco won. So that's what's going to be in the Super Bowl. And so I went two and zero, oh, and uh, everybody else went one and one. But here, here's what we got now. Who is going to win the Super Bowl? You already know this. Scott's out. <laughs> Why Scott out? He picked the Super Bowl winner last week. Oh, yeah, that's right. 49ers. Ers, that's right. No, he said Baltimore is going to play oh. San Francisco. Yes, San Francisco is going to win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But All right, so I got him down for that. Al, what you got? I don't give a shit about the NFL. So let me hold on. Hold on. Let me flip a coin. I'll tell you who I got. Matt, who do you got? Chiefs are going to win again. All right. Chiefs. I'm, I'm going to pull for the Niners because I just don't like fucking the Chiefs. I All right. Day. Well, I, uh, huh? yeah, I saw today early this morning on the news. They were saying that the Cowboys used to be America's team. Now they're thinking about. The Chiefs should be America's team. I don't. Uh, I don't think there's an America's team. I don't know who voted for the Cowboys to be America's team. I don't know where that came from ever. But no, yeah. no, no, no. They were America's team in my eyes because they had Roger Staubach as their quarterback. So I mean, how long they, ago was they that? Yeah, it was in the it was Man, in the sixties. They were Cowboys. 
Yeah. They were cowboys. The wild, wild west. That was America. Yeah. yeah. Well, America's team. <clears throat> yeah. They got All right. So I got the Chiefs. Okay. Who you got, Colonel uh, Colonel Lenz or yeah. Sir Phil? Damn. Call me Sir one more damn time. Damn it. <laughs> it's a, a habit. Come on. I called man. you Phil one time. You should be happy with that. Freaking <laughs> You're luckily I didn't say it at parade rest or something. Shut up. Um, I think for me, uh, obviously, uh, I am from Pittsburgh, born and bred and raised. Uh, if, if San Francisco wins one more Super Bowl, they're going to be tied with us and New England. So we can't be having that. And because I've lived near Kansas City before, I think the, the Kansas City Chiefs are going to take it 24 17. Wow. Dang. He's even calling sport. Oh, Look, damn. I'm not hey, score, dude. Damn. Hey, my, 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 my boy Shiza on here said he's, he's going with Mahomes, too. So. I loved I loved Shazet in the beginning because me and him were in in Fallujah the exact same time. So, but now now I'm I'm jumping ship. No, no. <laughs> so no what, like you, what are you doing, Matt? I mean, uh, Al, you going to San Francisco? I'm going to San Fran, bro. I'm going to San Fran, bro. I had a starter jacket Chiefs, when bro. I was. I had a starter jacket back in the day of San Francisco, so I'll go with you know San Fran. Yeah. <clears throat> I you, said you it. had a you had a San Francisco starter <clears throat> jacket in Jacksonville. Yeah. Uh, no, we were. I don't know where we were. At, but uh, I, had, okay. I just remember having one. Like I had like four starter jackets, but I know I had a San Francisco one. My brother had a Miami one, and so. So Scott, I'm I'm telling you, just like last week, until you beat them, they're the champs, dude. Like you got to beat them first. Yeah. And and that's crazy, because yeah. Al, I know you love Georgia, but Georgia didn't get the opportunity to prove that this year, and that's kind of jacked up. Because I think that would end a little bit different if Georgia was in that Final Four. Thank so they you, didn't Renee. get a chance to Thank prove you, it. Renee. But just Thank like with them, you know. Thank you, Renee. Until you beat them, they're the champs, what, what man. Renee say? She's 49ers. Yeah. Hey, before I, I haven't had a chance to say it, he was talking to you guys earlier. So there's a guy on here named Joshua Hawkley. He's an army veteran. He's he's a musician. It's funny. He's also my he, he, a friend of mine, but he's also my pool guy, right? He put it he, we, years and years ago when I had my pool put in, he did it. And we talked, we talked, you know, you know, war stories and stuff. And we've kind of maintained a friendship. And he actually came on tonight, which was unprompted, but it's funny because I was in the garage talking to him about uh about Lieutenant Commander and his band, and like hey, he's a bass player. I was showing him pictures, he's gonna come on the show. And then uh, I told him about Ty, and then he came on. He he started a band in Iraq. So yeah, shout out to, to my boy Josh, man. I, I didn't say it earlier, but I appreciate you watching and supporting us, homie. Yeah, for sure. Well, shout out to everybody. Shout out to everybody who's watching. I mean, we have people that continue to come back and watch us on Facebook and uh, X and Spotify and all the places that we are at. You know, we we together, us four brothers together thought it would be good to talk about things that service members go through. Uh, primarily, we wanted to be, you know, there to help get people through whatever it is they're going through and know that it's okay to not be okay. That's important to know. Uh, it's been great having our man Phil on today. We got some powerful information. You've seen a great leader, somebody who stands on what they believe, you know, who is authentically themselves in leadership is the reason why he's gotten so far and the respect is always going to be there. I challenge everybody. And like Al said at one point that, you know, he was willing to give up what he was doing to, to keep himself. And he, it goes back to what they were saying earlier about, you know what I mean? Not being fake, not, not faking the phone. You are who you are. And if you stand on who you are, you're going to be okay. You have to believe in that. If you know that you're doing <clears throat> the right thing, you know that your intentions are good. I challenge you to keep doing that. Right. Because you are who you are. 
And even if you wear a mask, it's only a matter of time before somebody finds out who you really are. So for those of you who have a good heart and who have good intentions, I challenge you to keep on doing that. No matter what somebody says, no matter how unpopular that'll make you be, people will respect you more for being authentically yourself. So I challenge you to do that. For those of you who are feeling like you're not okay, just understand that it's okay to feel like you're not okay. But understand that if you keep pushing forward, you're going to be okay. So I said, like I always say, somebody is looking for you to be there tomorrow. I challenge you to get your ass up and be there. Get up, look at yourself in the mirror, give yourself another chance. The hardest thing in life is getting birth because you are 100% dependent on somebody else taking care of you and somebody else pushing you through life. But once you get to the point where you can make a decision for yourself, it's up to you to go left or right. So I challenge you to keep on doing what's good. Keep on getting up, keep on fighting. If you get down, don't stay down. Get up and keep on continuing the fight. You guys are my brothers. I love you guys. Phil, you are the man. I really appreciate you coming out. We love you, man. That's my piece. I, I had to say that because I've been, you know, I'm here struggling, man. This cold or whatever this flu thing is, is taking over me. Like I'm in here burning up. But I wanted to get that out, man, because I appreciate you. There's no way that I wasn't going to show up for you guys, even being sick or not. My wife is like, you should stay your ass in the bed. But, bro, I truly believe in what we do. I love you guys. This is this is what I this is what I motivate myself to get through the week with. So however I got to do it, I'm gonna do it. So that's that's my piece, man. I, I appreciate you guys, man. And uh, that's, that's my spiel for tonight. <laughs> it's kind of random, but man, I just had to. Man, I appreciate you. Hey, so sir, you got anything you want to? Any shout outs you want to give before uh, we let you go? Man, Scott absolutely crushed it. Um, you, that's what that 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 is your platform. Everything he said is your platform. Um, first of all, every single one of you, everyone that's on there, thank you for standing watch to serve our country. Doesn't matter if it was for a career, a tour, doesn't matter what it is. Thank you for your service to our great nation. <clears throat> I think for you guys right now, every one of us has the power to have a platform, the top power to connect. I just want to thank, uh, you know, Triple Threat Vets, the whole, all, every single one of you for doing what you're doing, highlighting what veterans are doing, and most importantly, establishing that, that, that DNA helix, if you will, of support for people that may need it at some given time. So my hats are off to you guys. Uh, I salute all of you gentlemen. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Well said. Thank you so much, sir. All right, sir. Hey, appreciate you so much. We'll catch you on the uh, flip side and I'll probably be calling you tomorrow if that's okay. <clears throat> all right, guys. Thank you. All right. Have a good one, sir. Hey, if oh, I look at that, right. Scott, Scott, hey, look, look what you got. Renee buddy. said, okay. I'll take care of you when you come down. I I took that as something nasty, but I don't think she did. <laughs> but I will say I'd be running off this podcast, hauling ass downstairs. And if yeah. it's not what, she, what what you think and what I think it is, come back up here and get back on the podcast. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. If you guys, and <laughs> hey, that makes favorite. everything better. I'm just want to throw it out there. You know what? Hey, I'm up here sweating, man. I'm you know I'm getting pulled, but I really appreciate my one You know, it came home early today to help take care of me and. Went to the store and got me some stuff, and she, she, you know. <laughs> I'm sorry, Renee. Looking, I just it, that's, what, that's what I thought. That, I'm so sorry, <laughs> but in my head, I was like, if my wife was like, "Take care," I'm be like, "Fuck this podcast and fuck these kids." <laughs> it's no time. Which would yeah. never happen. Hey, speaking of, look who our uh, guest yeah. is next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have a uh, labor of love coming on next <laughs> week. Uh, I think uh, uh, Tangela and Renee will be on, right? Or is it yeah. just Renee? Yeah, Todd and Renee will be on. 
Excellent. Yeah, that's going to be great. It's on you, oh, brother. It's on me. Well, you know, I said what I, I said my piece. I kind of said it early. But I would tell you guys out there, we love you. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys for following. Thank you, Triple Threat Vet family. We appreciate you. Understand that we do this for you guys. We hope that we are entertaining. We hope that you get something from it. That's our mission. If there's anything that you guys think that we can do better, please put in the comments, let us know. But we really appreciate each and every one of you. To all of my brothers, you know how it is. And it's time to bring you guys in so that we can do our thing. Over here to my left, my man, Matt J. What you got to say to the people tonight before we get out of here? Same thing as always. Thank you for watching. We appreciate everybody, all your support. We, uh, we, we couldn't do what we do without you guys. It's good to know that uh, we got a support system out there and everybody's uh, getting good things out of what we're doing. And, uh, you know, for, for those people out there that are looking for T-shirts, I'm just going to keep plugging it. Same flag, same oath.com. Got some new designs in there. If you're a Mardi Gras fan, you need to yeah. go get some of that Mardi Gras stuff we just dropped. And uh, just thank you to everybody. We appreciate it. We love you guys. And uh, we'll see you next week. For sure. My man, our hero. You know what it is, Mr. Phenomenal. Hey, hey it, this was a phenomenal episode, and, and Phil Lenz is phenomenal. But I, I, really, tonight, I kind of want to plug. Um, so I, I, I've had the honor and the privilege to, to be invited on David Willis's um, podcast, Right Home yeah. from Sit Rep. So if you guys are following us and you watch ours and you enjoy our podcast, please do the same for his. Go on his podcast. He has some outstanding guests. He, he is a an amazing Marine, a phenomenal yes. father. Um, great man. Um, I love him. He's my brother. I just want to plug his podcast too because he does he he he, he does a, us a service every time he airs and talks about us. But the guy's show is is absolutely phenomenal, right? So um, support support the home front sit rep. They're doing some amazing things for for the veteran community as well. Um, and like I always say, you know, ask the hard question. David put it in there earlier. Make sure you're asking the hard question or ask the follow up questions. But check on somebody. Yeah. Pick the phone up. Just call and, and and just conversate and chat with your brothers and sisters and make sure everybody's doing good. And sometimes it doesn't have to be like like we were saying. Like you got to call and say, "Hey, are you okay?" Because that sounds fucking weird. So don't do that, right? But just call and chat it up and talk some shit and uh, you know crack a joke and let them know you love them and you're thinking about them. And again, right? Don't pet the, don't sweat the petty stuff. Pet that sweaty stuff. I know sweaty Scott's stuff. sweaty right now. I'll pet, <laughs> I'll pet you later, my brother. But no, I love you guys. Thank you for uh, for tuning in and watching. Yeah, and See I'll piggyback on that to my man David and Julie. Dave uh, reached out to me to check on me and my family the other day. He's a man of his word. Got a great podcast. I tell you guys to go on there and watch that. And I appreciate you, brother, for checking in. Always, you and Julie, you guys are awesome in my eyes. You know that already. To my man, Mr. Wax Poetic himself, my brother. My brother, my brother. Ty Cobb, what you got for us, bro? I do got some uh, things today. So uh, I want to congratulate my daughter, Cadence McKenna. She's going to graduate about a year and a half early from Texas State. So Cadence hey. is going to graduate May 2024. And and this is the part that I'll probably say pretty fast because uh, it's it's been weighing on me all day. I didn't tell anybody because I didn't want to bring anybody else down. But today is my mother's, would have been my mother's 70th birthday. She passed away in 2007. Wow. Uh, she died of Brigada Syndrome, but uh, oh. happy heavenly birthday, Mommy Dearest. I always called her Mommy Dearest because we, uh, you know, we had a warped sense of humor. So here, I'll just give you an update on, online because I want to I want to say it out loud. Kenzie's doing great. She, she is a woman of God. She absolutely loves God. Tyler's a teacher. And she's got a beautiful grandson. 
or she has a beautiful son. I have a grandson. You're a great grand grand grandson. I'm sorry. I'm I'm uh, messing this up. Let me slow down. Uh, your grandson, Kaysen, is a Zen master. I love that dude. Uh, he can make it through any situation. Trinity is a beautiful dancer. As I said, Cadence uh, is about to graduate and become a, a journalist. She's already got job interviews going on. And then uh, Tatum, who, of course, you never met. Um, he's doing great things in his school, and he wants to be a pilot. So uh, I love you, Mama, and my brother's got me. And uh, as you can see, these are some of the pictures of my mom. She was a registered nurse. We love watching movies together, and we love talking. So love you, Mom, and we'll yeah. talk to you soon. Happy Heavenly Birthday, Mom. I know you're shining down. You're light on Brother Ty, and I know you're proud of what, you, of the, what you've created, because we definitely are. To all you, again, hey, man. It's never going to be too bad. It's going to be okay. I'll tell you what. I'll make you a deal. You come back and see us next week. No matter how hard it is, if you think it's hard right now, we're just going to get through this week. Come back next week and we're going to talk about it. All right? So if you're going through something right now and you feel it's tough, I want you to hold on until next week. Matter of fact, call me if you want to. We'll talk about it. I want to motivate you to get through the next week. Can't give up. You've been come too far to give up now. So I tell you to keep on moving. I love you guys, man. This is another episode of the Triple Threat Vet Podcast. I'm your man, DJ Royalty. It's been an honor and a pleasure to serve my country and to serve you guys on this here podcast. And until next week, let your next day be your best day. DJ Royalty, I'm out.